episode six of Be Me Too Sick Bay. I am your host, Mira, a.k.a. Merck, and I'm joined by my friends and fellow hosts, Mick Freeze. Hello. And Ace. Hey, it's me, Ace. Step on it, eh? That's a, that's a little <laughs> funny quote from our future episode. I remember uh, The that. big goodbye. I remember uh, when Ace was in that. Yeah, yeah, that sounded just like him. Yeah, that's what the card sounds like. Exactly like that. That's what the card sounds like in that episode where he just is like a, a tourist the entire time. <laughs> kind of. I like the accents in that episode. McFreeze and I were talking about that earlier too. The data especially has the has the good accents. He fucking kills it in that. Oh my god. Who, who's that actor who plays Data? He's amazing. Brent Spiner. Yeah, Brent oh. Spiner's fantastic. Data is uh, the only one who's actually watched the old movies and not just read the books. Well, here's the thing: is that he didn't watch any old. Okay, whatever. We'll get we'll get into it later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so today we're going to be talking about uh, season one, episode eleven, Haven, which is not the episode we were just talking about, but uh, is in fact uh, Deanna Troy's arranged marriage is come to fruition, and her mother Luaxana, as well as her fiance, uh, the the Millers, was it Wyatt Miller? Wyatt Miller and his parents Wyatt, like, yeah. are come aboard, but the wedding might be interrupted when a Torellian plague ship shows up. No, 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 no. What? And then oh after God. the break, we're going to be talking about. Uh, uh, season one, episode eleven or twelve, the big goodbye, which is where all of our fun forties uh, accents are coming from. That's all I'll say about that for now. So, how did you guys feel about uh, Haven and the big goodbye? Some first impressions here. But I guess just Haven for right now. First impressions because I've seen this show for twenty years. <laughs> well, it, like, how how many times you watch season one? When's the last time you think you watched that? That's the, not when I, when I watched Haven, um, honestly, Hayes, I watched it like a year ago. I watched Jesus the Christ. whole series. Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> I did it. Being, well, no, when I was watching it like a year ago, uh, it was when I was knitting a lot, and mm. um, I was just sitting here knitting a lot, and I was gonna like, I was gonna watch all the episodes. Like this time, I'm not gonna skip any. And then I got like half through the season, uh, and was like, yeah, okay, I'm skipping the rest of this shit. I hate <laughs> season one, but I did watch Haven. Haven was I watched Haven. I watched the Big Goodbye. Um. I think after this we're going to start to get the episodes i haven't actually seen in years but i, I like both of these episodes to answer the question i, I really like i enjoy haven i enjoy the big goodbye a lot haven was good i had a good time watching all of the shenanigans <laughs> which there I were actually, many so whenever whenever i first watched uh haven i did not like it very much but on a rewatch i liked it uh more i just had to accept that this was not a troy episode despite the fact that it's a troy episode because <laughs> you don't get a i don't think you get a lot out of her in this episode but like you get you, you learn her a lot about her mom and you learn about a, lo a lot about just kind of like betazoid culture i guess but i feel mm -hmm. like i'm left with within the uh the same place with troy herself i think that's most troy episodes are like that when yeah. i think about it yeah, she doesn't um, have much of a character, I want to say. <laughs> she, you know. she doesn't, like, have any agency. I mean, this, shit, this episode's about an arranged marriage, where she's, like, whenever the arranged marriage is happening, at first she's kind of like, I don't know if I want to go through with this. But at some point, she's just kind of cool with it and says, yay, arranged marriage, I'm going to marry this dude I just met. She likes him. <laughs> and, and then, He's not but, like, hours later, whenever he teleports himself on onto uh the the vessel she's like yay no arranged marriage have a good life dude <laughs> it's, like, it's hey. like no agency at all she just kind of rides the wave why don't we why don't we get into the episode where we can start uh hashing out all of these 
all these complaints. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm not really complaining because I, I did like the episode. There's a lot of things that are interesting in it. It's just Troy was like, uh, she was a passenger for her own episode, which I thought was strange. Very much. Troy is a passenger for her own life, really. That's a good way to describe her. <laughs> so uh, this episode is uh, Haven, and it first aired on uh, November 30th, 1987. This was the last episode aired in 1987. Uh, and the teleplay was by Tracy Torme. The story by was by Tracy Torme and Lano Kuhn, and it was directed by Richard Compton. In universe state is 412 94.5 uh year 2364 and i already kind of gave a summary of it we we got an arranged marriage and we got a Tyrellian plague ship that's that's the gist that's that's the go that's pretty much the whole episode and you just it see is. and it's all about learning kind of more about betazoid culture to an extent and more importantly learning about loxana the the queen not literal queen but <laughs> she's 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 up there <laughs> I guess I guess she's pretty important, but she is, is an amazing character who probably is pretty high on the rank, completely over the top. And why why can't we have Luxana on the show instead of Troy? It's all I'm asking. And uh, Luxana too. Uh, let me know if anybody out there doesn't know this is uh, played by Majel Barrett, who is Gene Roddenberry's wife. Oh, really? Yes, yeah. yeah, she stays on. That. There you go. I got I got mm-hmm. some facts here. About Majel give me some Barrett. facts, McFreeze. Uh, she was in the original series pilot episode uh she was playing number one and uh she was already dating uh gene roddenberry at the time and apparently she was not very likable and also all the execs were very unhappy that he just put his girlfriend in this spot (laughs) and didn't didn't do any casting or anything he's just like here you go Let's go, Gene. Way to go, buddy. Yeah. Ultimate wife guy. In there. I mean, they, she should have stayed in there, honestly. Uh, I have a quote from William Shatner noted that female viewers felt she was pushy and annoying, which <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> and also thought, number one, shouldn't be trying so hard to fit in with the men, which definitely is not a problem in this episode. No, no, no. Luxana is her own character and she's going to make everyone else deal with it. Which is the way to handle her, you know, and like she is pushy, but I love that about her. And I know oh, some totally. people hate it. I, I have yeah. heard some people absolutely hate Luxana episodes because she is a lot, but I, I love her. She's she is great. a queen. Yes. <laughs> uh, she also uh, voices the computer, too. It's worth noting. I don't know. Did she voice the computer in the original series? But she does voice it in TNG I as don't well. know. But she did voice it um in most of the shows i know that yeah 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 hmm. and yeah she does stay on it after gene roddenberry dies as well and i'm pretty sure until she dies i want to say like oh, she's wow. just... yeah she's on um up until uh she was actually she was in the 2009 movie as the computer before really? she died yeah oh, oh wow really nice yeah i was just re-watching ds9 uh, on my own time and uh she was in there as late as like season five wow which is not 2009 not sooner but she's kind of like the ever like she's kind of the, the the soul of star trek in a way just sticking with like every season every show kind of you know me in the computer yeah she was she's the only person to be on every show um at least up to that point yeah interesting I think it's pretty cool. It's good facts about Majel Barrett. So we are in the ship. We are on the Enterprise. And we are going to Haven, a planet of peaceful beauty that some believe have mystical healing powers. And the Enterprise is just going there for rest and relaxation, I guess. 
Uh, and we get this <laughs> opening scene starts with Riker uh, in his quarters. What is what is Riker doing, guys? <laughs> Riker is admiring his beautiful heart women on his little <laughs> like he he has like a little virtual reality pad which just lets him see to see objects in kind of like in 3D. And he's just I think like it's supposed to be like a 3D television or something, yeah. 3D television or something. He's got instead of action figures, he's got holograms of two ladies and they're playing really boring music, and he's just sitting there like, "Oh yeah." Well, well that, that's the, the thing. He's he's beaming a smile at these harp ladies. He loves it. He's really into his harp lady figures, uh, and I made this joke already uh, in Discord, but not on this podcast. We we do know that he hot glues his harpists regularly, can't, can't, right? Can't hot glue I can't. I, well, well, it's not, you know, it's try. probably it's probably not as enjoyable because it well, just goes right through. Yeah, they're not they're not constructs. They're just fucking they're just images. So really he just be getting the uh, the imager all messy. That, that doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't it wouldn't work work. I think he'd still try it. Now, personally. if you want to tell me oh, that he gets up to shenanigans on the hollow deck proper, I believe you. I fucking that place <laughs> is like a Jackson Pollock painting, I'm sure. Oh Listen, no, don't. You oh. do not want to be the guy whose job is to clean up that place. <laughs> I, the computer, not the computer. The, the ship has to have like automated robots to clean up things. Like the, you, you'd have to think, right? Because they don't have janitors walking around the Enterprise. There's got to be but like little robots that come out at night that go clean up all the spooge on the holodeck. Yeah. Oh well, couldn't they just like <laughs> erase it? Okay. Okay. Let's let's get into this. Stupid yeah. Episode. The reason why they have like five transporters is because two of them are constantly just erasing all of the jizz. Oh. You've got it. <laughs> disgusting oh anyway he's he's enjoying his harpists and he gets called by tashi yar to the transporter room and he rolls his eyes about it because he's got to shut off his holograms and he's like sorry ladies he says to them literally like he does say that i'm not making a joke yes he does say that (laughs) and he arrives at the uh transporter room and and tashi yar is already there uh and troy walks in actually after the, the beams up i guess an object beams aboard it is a box, a metal box that comes up from the surface of Planet Haven. It's got a face on it. And fun fact, do you know who plays the face? No, but I love the face. Armin Shimmerman. He was oh. previously a Ferengi in uh, the first Ferengi episode, and oh. he will be Quark later. But that's Armin Shimmerman. That's his only non-Ferengi role on Star Trek is this box. <laughs> he gets to be a cube. <laughs> it really freaks me out. I'm really glad he did that. <laughs> It was good. Yeah, he's, he's oh, a talking he, box, and he uh, Troy walks in, and the box starts saying, uh, what does the box say? Let me freeze. says, uh, I have a message for Deanna Troy from the the great Loaxana Troy and the Honorable Miller family. Blah, blah, blah. The momentous occasion is close at hand. Rejoice! And then he goes, <laughs> Very evilly. Tro- Troy gets he- really upset. <laughs> the, the, the reason the box, like, not just because it has a face and it's talking, like, uh, the, the dude that plays it, Armin, um, he's like, super animated whenever he does this because he's like wide-eyed and he's just going crazy it's like really 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 like it's almost frightening he's a good actor it is he he does good work it's very disturbing he also played the mayor on buffy by the way side note oh i did i yeah Yeah, i forgot about that that. yeah oh you neither of you remembered that wow well 
That's also the mayor on Buffy. I wasn't thinking about the mayor on Buffy. But anyway, Troy gets really upset and goes, oh, no, no, and runs out of the room. And then the box opens up to reveal a bunch of, like, jewels. and Like, so many jewels fall out of that box. It, like, it, it explodes out of that box. Yeah, it's <laughs> a really like impractical a box. <laughs> they, really, they really cleaned out the dollar store of all these jewels. Oh, <laughs> they, look, they look great. <laughs> they, they look better than, like, dollar store jewels. I think they're, like, glass, at least. They're not plastic. They're real shiny. They're real sparkly jewels. No, I was impressed. They're very shiny. Yeah, but the box is not a practical box because box, most boxes, you know, open from the top so that you can actually hold things in them. And this one just opens on the side and they all spill out the side. <laughs> it but was why, really impossible. Well, but why it's, is Troy so upset by this? Uh, she is in the ready room in the next scene telling Captain Picard that she is uh, had an arranged marriage arranged by her parents. It's a, a Betazoid tradition called genetic bonding. And uh, Stephen Miller was her father's closest friend, so they arranged that his son will marry her. And uh, Riker is there, and he points out, your father was human, Deanna. And she's like, yeah, I know, Shrug. We're still doing this. <laughs> so, okay, th- this do? is the part that, like, kind of gets me, is that, like, it's not that weird that uh, Troy's mother would, like, go through with this. Because, you know, it's just Betazoid culture, you know, yada, yada, yada. It's just what they do. It's weird, but it's what they do. This this Miller family, they're pursuing this as just like humans i I realize they tell us later that like oh they lived on that on their planet and everything so they're maybe a little more used to their customs but it's like that's fucking crazy for that to be something you'd want to like pursue as as like a human who now lives on earth to be like oh we want an arranged marriage it'd be great everyone was gonna love it okay you know hayes there are cultures in earth uh human cultures that do arranged marriages in this current day these are the most white bread ass parents okay, ever they are they are yeah <laughs> it's an, it's, a, it's a thing that exists in human culture as well so they might be very accepting of it you know they might think it's all right like you, arranged marriages on the face of it coming from american culture uh like it's very easy for an american reaction to them to be like oh gross mar- arranged marriages we need to have freedom to marry whoever we want but really like pr- from a social standpoint they're not the worst thing in the world they're they're not it's just it's this like it's this family in particular and and in particular Wyatt doesn't even seem like that interested in it and so it's just it I I guess it threw me for a loop it it doesn't make a lot of sense really you're (laughs) you're not wrong I'm just I'm gonna be the arranged marriage defender in case we have anybody listening to this podcast (laughs) just like writes in like I had an arranged marriage and it's fantastic I love my wife very much we have three beautiful children and I'll say I'm very happy for you sir (laughs) anyway the the arranged marriage defender has logged on I just like (laughs) I like the part it was they got so melodramatic with it It it's like Riker's like what's this box for Troy's like (laughs) It's for a marriage. So that, <laughs> Just like, fucking say, say it. Who's getting married? <laughs> it's me. What? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I forgot that they actually did that. I have it written down right in front of my eyes and I didn't even, I skipped the next scene where Picard is there. Uh, but Picard asks her, uh, when she tells him this, uh, if she's going to be able to stay on the ship with her husband, and she just thinks about it for a second, she's like, "No, I got, I gotta go." Which and, that's another weird thing about this to me is that you have to like, give up your whole career and your life because of this arranged marriage. Is, why? Yeah, like there was no explanation of why she has to leave the ship or why he can't live on the ship or if he wants to live on the ship. 
no one I mean, asked him. So yeah, they established that he's a doctor, but he obviously doesn't have a practice or anything. He's just like, oh, yeah, he's I'm just like, yeah. I don't really know how his like doctoring is going here because he's just wandering around the galaxy, being like, I'm a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I just graduated medical time. school. Maybe I don't know. It's well, it's. I don't, I don't know how space uh, med school works. I guess. I don't know. Everyone was very healthy, so he doesn't have anything to do. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> they, they've, uh, already, they, wanted... they've already cured the common cold and headaches, so what is there left for him to do? Oh, I did want to note, too, I didn't mention this earlier at the start of this, but uh, this show was, was produced uh, earlier than it was aired. It was actually produced fourth of all the TNG episodes, and they held back on airing it. So mm. the tone of this feels a lot more similar to the the first episodes of this season, and you can feel that in, in some scenes. It's It's... I would say more reminiscent of the the original series in some ways that those earlier episodes were, and it's luckily not as boring as some of those earlier episodes. But it's it yeah. is an earlier produced episode. They bring up the whole relationship with like Riker and Troy again, obviously in this episode, and, they, and, they, and we'll get to that later. But like that definitely is something that makes more sense as, as this was like made earlier that, that they would bring mm-hmm. that back up so soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It follows very closely after the encounter at Farpoint relationship that they had. Yes. Um, but Riker, uh, Picard congratulates her and leaves, and Riker is there, and he's very sad. He's very pouty this whole episode about this marriage thing. Um, and uh, she's like, don't be sad, you know? You to Come dance at my wedding. It'll be okay. Like, she's not really being very tactful about this with him, I feel like. For somebody who's a counselor especially, you'd think she'd be better <laughs> equipped to deal with his yeah. feelings about this. <laughs> he should just get over it, is what she <laughs> thinks. He probably should get over it. Uh, and she also mentions, too, she brings up the, that they also brought up an encounter at Farpoint, I believe, that their uh, relationship did not work out because he wants to be a starship captain. That's the most important thing to him. And that's yeah. why their relationship kind of fell apart. But Riker it, says, that's not, that's, not a, that's not all he wants. He wants something more as well. He wants it all. <laughs> and she's like, well, yeah, but you want to be a captain most. So you know what? Yeah, Fuck you. Something. I'm getting married. <laughs> <laughs> at the very <laughs> least... At the very least, Troy at least invites him to the wedding and says, you can, you can come and you can dance. That'll be great, right? That's, that's not, that's not, you say, you say that like it's a good thing that she's doing that. <laughs> it's, it's pretty messed up. <laughs> it's pretty shitty. Come dance at my wedding, dude. That's come dance at my wedding. I know we've had this like relationship, but I'm getting married tomorrow, so neener. <laughs> I never mentioned in our, in our several year romantic relationship that I had an arranged marriage, but you know, it's here now. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Data walks in, and the Miller wedding party is beaming aboard from Haven. So we are at the transporter room. Troy's there. The Miller family's there. Picard is there, also hiding in the corner. Uh, the Miller family beam, beams in, and Picard is there to greet them. Uh, and what are you guys' impressions of the Miller family? The Miller family. All right. So the dad is due with big, with a big pot belly. He's totally unassuming. There's nothing really you can say about him, other uh, than pointing out later he has some very strange tendencies. I wrote that he's a jolly old fella, and that's all that he is. He's very jolly. And I also wrote that the mom has the worst outfit. It is not. It's her weird hat. hat. Yeah, yeah, it's the hat is the thing. The weird, like, half face hat thing. I don't know. Her her whole outfit, I feel like, is very 1960s. Like, she's wearing (laughs) this this pink traveling coat that's, like, full-body dress, pink coat, and she's got, like, a 60s pink hat on, and... I don't know. That's it's, it's very old, old, especially in the year twenty three, whatever twenty three sixty four. It, it definitely feels like a sixties version of what people think that kind of outfit would look like in the future. 
yeah, we'll it's that. just like a 60s sort of dress coat and plus more <laughs> um and then we have so yeah the mother the mother uh as a I don't really have much of an impression uh, of her either. She just kind of she just kind of exists to get into fights with Troy's mom. Um, and then there's Wyatt himself. Wyatt is this beautiful brunette boy. He's kind of got this soft face. He's got those luscious locks. Um, and he's just kind of like this cool doctor guy. And who Troy like falls in love with immediately. I guess not immediately, but like I don't think that's true. No, she was, I wouldn't say she falls in love with him immediately, but she's not like uh, uh, hideously repulsed by him by any means. He has a no. he has a rose for her too. He has a nice blue rose, and he hands it to her, and he's like, "This is for you. This is a, I forget what he calls it, but it's some kind of rose that changes color with the mood of the person holding it." And she oh, holds it's an it. Elpis. It's... <laughs> it's an Elpis flower. Elpis. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, these guys oh. haven't played FF14. Hey, for all my FF14 uh, followers out there, that one's for you. All right, moving on. I have played the new thing yet i haven't played end blocker yeah wow have you guys not started all right we're we're not gonna get into this (laughs) (laughs) i've got star treks to watch what are you talking about yeah there's i got star treks to draw i I, all of you guys noticed there's now podcast art i drew it 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 was drawn by me so you're welcome you better all email in and say how good Merck's podcast art is because it's so no, good. No, don't do that. Don't do that. But also, I just wanted email to give in. credit to me because if, if you know, people might wonder. Uh, this sounds really good to say. Like, I'm giving credit to me for drawing it. But in case I drew it, let's move on. He gives her a rose. <laughs> it changes colors. <laughs> As she's holding it, it goes from like red to white, uh, from blue to red to white, which is kind of cool. I like that effect. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how they did it. It's still it was, magic. It was weird because. It's like it changes color with the mood of whoever holds it. But then it just stayed white for the rest of the entire episode, no matter what. That's, That's not, not true. true. It's it not true. Yeah. There's, I didn't know there's, 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 of this. there's one scene at the end where it turns blue. Yeah. But oh, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. We will get there. I'm, I'm scrolling up and finding the screenshot, actually. It's not even at the end of the episode. It's like halfway through. It's like halfway through. It's like on the, the holodeck or something. Yeah. Well, we'll get we'll okay, get there. There you it. go, McFreeze. I posted it again. Oh, there anyway. it is. Yeah. Yeah. He's also mm. carrying uh, sketches. He's got like a um, little thing of like like pictures that he's carrying. Uh, and he doesn't really make a comment about that, I don't believe, at this time. But they notice like, oh, you've got some sketches. And... um they uh, are ready to get out of there. Why it's like, oh, where are we going to be staying? And his dad's like, I want to see the ship. I got, you know, it's a great ship. And his, his mom's like, you know that that woman, Loaxana, is not going to come aboard as long as we're here. <laughs> and then we we learn that Loaxana and the Millers do not get along. So they leave. I can't imagine why. Oh, she's so good. She's so <laughs> I good. I love Loaxana, but they they leave, and then uh, two more beam aboard. It's Loaxana and her valet home. Uh, Mr. Home. Which is Mr. Home. Mr. I think it's home. home or Mr. Home. She calls him Mr. Home sometimes, but he's, he's home. She he's calls home. him Mr. Home every time. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I call him Home. He's not Mr. <laughs> to me. I call him Mr. Home. <laughs> anyway, what? Uh, someone describe Loxana for our viewers. McFreeze. Um, <laughs> she's, uh, she's like, uh, if Troy was older... You know, she's wearing this very long. Is uh, she like when if Troy was older, she is out of this world. She's off this planet. She She is okay. She has black hair like Troy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She has this very nice long red dress. It's very fancy. Very fancy. 
um she's got like a a tiara or something it's also red um, i assume you're just looking at the screenshots posted yeah. <laughs> okay but uh before she beams aboard troy turns to picard and warns him uh my mother is a bit eccentric and she beams aboard facing the wrong way <laughs> Going, yeah. where is everybody i hate these devices that's so good but she, she is dressed everybody? very ornately. She dresses very nicely. Uh, very. Uh, she's nobility. She's old Beta Z nobility, and she dresses like it. She always wears very fancy and or- ornate costumes. Yes. Um, and she is wearing a tiara. McFrizz is right. She's wearing a red tiara and a red dress to go with it. Her hair is always also immaculate. On she's she's just, she's just a very fashionable lady. She she but also. Go ahead. Loxana just like talking about her as a character. She's just like this incredibly outspoken incredibly like regal and proud like sort of she's like like we kind of joke about her like oh she's a queen but like she i think she like considers herself like a like literal queen in the way that she like kind of presents herself above everyone else and how and like how much like you know how much more ascended she is compared to the average human or even betazoid in her own uh in her own eyes it's, yeah, she's arrogant as hell. It's wonderful. It's so good. Yeah, she just she always says exactly what she thinks at all times. <laughs> yes, and even yeah. more than she thinks. She just keeps going. <laughs> yeah, and that, that does come up in the episode too, where she talks about. I guess that's a that's how Betazoid normally are because they're telepathic species. They can all read each other's minds. So at that point, you know, you just say whatever you're thinking because why would you hide it? People are going to know what you're thinking anyway, right. and that's how. Beta- operate uh so that's how she operates and it's a little uh jarring and then troy actually tries to tell her like mom <laughs> you gotta have a little bit of tact you <laughs> know oh, you stop embarrassing me <laughs> uh but she mom um she says hello to the captain and says of course you're the captain who else would come to greet me uh, <laughs> i expect you'll be carrying my luggage as well and he's like oh sure and troy tries to stop him and and he's like no i can get it he picks it up and it's extremely heavy and then we get this nice scene of Picard like limping across the hall with this giant suitcase. Yeah, and she says, "Oh man, your age must keep himself in shape." Oh, I can't <laughs> believe this. By the way, we forgot to talk about Mister Hon, uh, Mister Home, Mister Hon. Um, he... it's, it's pronounced home, but it's spelled like H O M N. I think it's home. He's a dude that's like six and a half feet tall. He has gray face paint on. And Burke, is this just the Watcher? Or uh, uh, or or the traveler. I'm sorry, the traveler from that from the uh, few episodes ago. Is this is this just the same actor? No, this isn't the same actor. I think this guy's taller than the traveler was. Actually, he's, he said he's six and a half feet. I think he's like he's, seven feet tall. He's seven feet. He's um, massive. Yeah. Okay, I've got. He's, he's a he's a big boy. What I liked is on his Wikipedia. It says he was discovered as an actor at the corner of Hollywood and Vine by a woman who abandoned her car in the middle of the street, saying, we need you for a movie. Which, <laughs> that's how they say this is how he was discovered as an actor. It's just he by very walking tall, around they, they on the street. They wanted a very tall guy. McFreeze, you should have been born like 30 or 40 years ago because back then you could be tall and you could do anything in the world just because you were tall. Not yeah. being tall doesn't get you squat. You could have been uh, Mr. Home on Star Trek. You could have been a wrestler yes. in Hollywood. You, you could have been a wrestler without knowing how to wrestle. You can still can do, do that, that now. Like. Yeah, there's nothing stopping you. Go wrestle. Well, don't actually, because it's dangerous. <laughs> you could die. It happens. No. It does. Dangerous. Yeah. I hope Phoenix gets better. 
Uh, but they stop in the hallway at, at some point, and uh, Troy yells at her mom and says, "If if you're her," uh, and says to Mister Home too, "If you're her valet, then do some valeting." <laughs> and Card's like, "Oh, I wouldn't want to stop you from doing your duty, of course." And uh, then uh, they McCard leaves. I don't know what happens next. McCard leaves. I'm I'm a good host of this show. Think, <laughs> Picard oh, leaves, and uh, there was an important thing where Troy says. What happened to your last valet? And she says, oh, I had to fire him because he was too horny for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's very important. We also get to, uh, but, but Loxana talks about uh, Troy's accent and says it reminds her of her father. Because yeah. Loxana does not have any accent. She talks like a North American woman. Um, but uh, Troy apparently got that from her father. Mm-hmm. Do we know what happened to her father? He died. Okay, but like, did he just like die? Was there like a war or something, or he just kind of die? I think he just died. I think he was old and he died. Some okay. people die. You know, I'm not I was sure. just curious because I, 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 I just don't, I don't remember it ever being brought up. So I wasn't sure if he was alive or died or like got separated or what happened. Well, I've seen this entire series a couple times, and I don't remember it ever being brought up either. So honestly, I'm not sure they ever address it. <laughs> it has to have come up at some point, but um, I'm sure there's like a throwaway line where it's just like, yeah, Troy's dad is dead. I don't know, I think he I think he got sick or he died of natural causes. I don't think it was like a war or anything like that. He right. wasn't Starfleet though. Certainly so. was not anything important because I don't remember it either. Yeah, they never really bring it up. Um But yes, uh the pornographic thoughts the previous valet had, you know, had to fire him. Uh and also after Picard leaves, uh look Loxana turns to uh Deanna and says, like, Are you embarrassed your captain? I know I wanted to mention that. That was trying to get out earlier. Oh, I so, forgot to mention that Betazoids have like the full um, blackout contact lenses. I noticed that too. Yeah. yeah she just has like big black eyes. Instead yeah. Of, yeah. Which is interesting, which I kind of like. It's at least something to kind of separate them from just from just being humans. At least. Yeah. Well, and Deanna Troy wears them too. Like Marina Sirtis wears them for the character Deanna Troy, but they're not as noticeable as they are on Oxana. I think they're not right. quite as big yeah. or right. as wide, you know? It's they're at least, only half as big. It's at least something because, like, I, I always just think of the people that lived on. Uh, Who were the people called on Justice? Basically, the people that were just white and blonde. <laughs> like that was the that was the only <laughs> thing that identified them. So this is at least like a little bit of a trait. That they ran too. Non-human. They ran everywhere. You know, they love to run. They love They love running. Getting jogs in. All right, Black so they should be running everywhere. So, so uh, Luxana, Troy, and Picard go into the apartment. Right. Uh, yep. And Luxana and Deanna talk telepathically a little bit after Picard leaves. Um, yes. Which, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention when, when Luxana first sees Troy, she starts to talk to her telepathically as well. And she refuses to do so because there mm. are people present who cannot read minds. It is rude. <laughs> it, that is rude. You shouldn't be it doing that. very rude. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like speaking in a foreign language and people there don't speak the language, you know? Yeah. It's literally like that, except you don't even know they're talking. They're just using their brains. But Picard, the. Get, leaves and they, they talk telepathically and uh well actually Luxana, she was like uh she was embarrassing uh troy in front of picard she was just like you know being really outspoken about a bunch of stuff until troy used her brain to tell her to shut up yeah. <laughs> which is which is when she finally did it <laughs> and, and she's like oh very good you finally spoke with your mind um and and like okay like you said i think they're having a conversation in the apartment kind of talking to each other telepathically 
Yeah, and Loxana apologizes to Deanna about the wedding too, saying like, you know, I kind of forgotten about it, but these these Millers tracked me down. Stephen it's Miller, weird. Was like, hey, we got to get this wedding done. <laughs> he really it's, wanted this wedding. Like, so it wasn't like a mutual like arrangement. She just got fucking tracked down by these crazy Earthers that really, really, really want an arranged marriage. I guess they, they want the best for their boy. I don't know. I guess they just like Loxana so much. They just wanted to have her daughter get married to that. Yeah, well, wait. They fucking hate, they hate Lo- does. <laughs> I, Stephen doesn't. <laughs> it's very, very strange to me. This this woman they either hate or ambivalent to. They like we need we need your daughter. <laughs> he's, he sometimes you just gotta honor your old vows. I guess I don't know. <laughs> Uh, um, so we're, we go to the bridge, and Picard is talking to uh, Valida Innes, I wrote down her name, the uh, first electorin of Haven, who is a very pretty lady, by the way. Haven is a nice planet with lots of pretty people on it, apparently, but we only see this one lady. Uh, but she tells them that they have a potentially hostile ship headed towards them, and uh, Haven has no way of defending itself, but they have a treaty with the Federation that says the Enterprise has to defend them if something happens. She's like, we're really counting on you, you know, we got to protect this beautiful planet down here. And he's Having like, yep, zero we- defenses makes zero sense to me. You can't just not have a defense grid of some kind in a universe where there's like people that can kill you at the drop of a hat. Because apparently everyone in the show has like a battleship of some short of some sort. But I guess well, they don't guess have one. Fine. Haven is a very peaceful place. They don't believe in such things. They just hope nobody comes to tax. I just hope no one notices them. And if someone does notice <laughs> them, there's a ship already nearby for, by coincidence. If if somebody notices them, they just offer them to the hot springs instead. Say, hey, come check out our hot springs. It's much more relaxing. You don't you don't want to attack us. It'll work out. Don't worry about it. Uh, and um. then we see Wyatt in his quarters. He's laying on his bed looking sad about something. Um, oh, we didn't mention, too, uh, after they beam aboard, um, I think Picard says something to Troy about, uh, oh, they seem nice. Wyatt seems like a nice young man. And she turns to him and is like, he is, but I'm not what he expected. And Picard's like, what? And she goes, I don't know either. I just can sense that from him. He's, I'm a surprise to him. Um, so we, we see why in his quarters. Deanna comes to see him and apologize for her mother being her mother, which she should never do because Loxana is a queen. And uh, um, he's like, no, oh. no, no. Your mom's a queen. I love her. Yeah, he's <laughs> so right. We, we know right away that Wyatt rules. Uh, well, one thing we we forgot to bring up earlier, uh, the, 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 the mood changing flower, the mood flower actually does change colors to, uh, to blue while, when it, after she's talking with your mother about Wyatt and the whole arrangement and everything. And so oh, you, you, may, you, you may have noticed that we forgot to talk about that, which is because this is a really, really, really weak payoff that holds to that whole setup. Cause yeah, <laughs> it, it turns blue, turns blue there and you never see the flower again. Okay. That's all. Uh, moving on. That's why McFree's missed it. It's because yeah. you, you don't. And there's a lot of other things going on in that scene, too, that I didn't write down because they're just talking. You know, They really should have just put it down on the table and zoomed into it very dramatically. Then I would have seen it. They should have. They didn't think about that. I like that Troy's um, also apparently thinking about nothing most of the time because it's always just white. Which, come on, Troy. That might just be something. pleasantness or something. Come on. You don't know. <laughs> we, didn't get a, we didn't get the little guy that tells you what the colors. Did you guys have any mood rings when you were a kid, by the way? I loved mood rings when I was a kid. I did have a mood ring. Um, I'm not sure if they ever worked, but I had one. Mine was just always blue on me. I don't. <laughs> I did not have it. I don't know. I'm going to say it works off body blue. temperature. I'm going to. It does. Yeah, that's exactly how it works. My guess is that white is the color of mom hating. Oh, it's always white. Yeah, yeah. Bad. Uh, so Deanna's talking to Wyatt in his quarters, and Wyatt tells her that he's a medical doctor. He wants to cure people. It's all he's ever wanted in his life. 
and they talk about uh whether or not she's gonna be able to read his mind and she thinks she's like i think someday i will and he's like i guess i can take that as a compliment and they're just having a nice uh, thing and she asks him about the drawings though because he's got the drawings they're all the same woman and i wanted yes. to note about these drawings i love the art in this episode it's fun it's um <laughs> like, like okay. really well drawn it's like he's pretty impressive apparently well, while he was going to medical school he was also going to art school because these yeah, are really good <laughs> sketches uh okay so here's my thing um i'm someone who draws I, I've, we've established i drew the art for this podcast cover and um i've always i've always drawn and i've always drawn like faces like this uh, these aren't actually that impressive uh like anybody who can draw should be able to draw stuff like this the thing that really like makes me laugh is the one on the left the idea is that he's been working on these his entire life. He's seen this woman in his dreams all his life, which is what he tells Troy in the scene. Uh, this is a woman. I, I thought she was going to be you. I thought because you were Betazoid and I thought you were just beaming yourself into my mind because you're telepathic, uh, which isn't a terrible assumption. You know, if you dream about the same woman every single night of your damn life, might as well be your arranged wife. Actually, you know what I just thought of? I'm, I'm going rambly here, but um, <laughs> maybe that's why the Millers tracked her down maybe maybe wyatt was like hey we got to meet this woman i'm supposed to marry because i've been dreaming about her all, all my life oh and then whenever um, he realizes it's a different woman he's like uh-oh i oh, made a oh, big mistake it. yeah <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> oh, well. I guess i'm here now i may have uh, committed my life to someone different uh-oh yeah, he's just gonna do it anyway so whatever but anyway if you look at the picture on the left is what i was getting at um it's not finished yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's working what, on a new project. That's why he brought it with him. He's got to he's got to wrap it up. It's I guess in he's, a frame. <laughs> Look, he's really it's not proud. He was really proud frame. of that. Uh, of that, you know. You gotta keep it dry. You gotta keep it protected in the transporter. Yeah, I mean, and they're fine drawings too. I didn't mean to say they're bad. They're just they're not anything special to me. But the one that's not finished is really funny to me because like they ran out of time or something to actually get these out for the episode. Just just finish your eyes. Whatever. It's good enough. It's good enough. It's fine. I think he just wanted to show I think they just wanted to show that they were like drawings and not like portraits he just had or something. Uh, but yeah, you're right. They're dumb. Yeah, <laughs> it's really dumb. Well, you, they don't actually show it real close up too, but you can see like he's got them from his whole lifetime where you can see a really crappy one that he drew when he was like a little child or something. Yeah, in there too. yeah that, that was cool. Yeah, that, that kind of so pays off later on the Trillion ship, which, which is neat. I, the art of the Trillion ship really makes me laugh, but I'll get to that one. Yeah, that was, that was not, <laughs> that, that was, was much fun. I will say that art was not nearly as impressive. <laughs> uh, so, um, so yeah, why well, I thought that Troy would be this woman, but he's still not, he's like, oh, I'm not disappointed though. You're still beautiful. You know, I just, I don't know who the hell this lady is that I'm seeing the same lady every night. That's a weird thing. Imagine that every night you go to sleep, you dream of the same person your entire life that you've never met before. That would be freaking weird, right? That sounds boring. I would rather <laughs> dream about things like not doing my homework, which is what I always <laughs> dream about. That's your McFreeze fact for the for the podcast today, I guess. And, I just learned something new about McFreeze. And you're right. This, these aren't like vague like dreams of like someone he feels he has to meet. He's like knows exactly who this is. He's drawing her face perfectly. He's just being haunted by this ghost woman in his dreams every single night because of destiny. That sounds like a like a terrible hell I would not want to be a part of. It's just a bizarre. Yeah, it, it's it's a horror movie kind of plot. <laughs> um, so we said we have Picard doing a log where he's talking about how arranged marriage is stupid because he's he's in the haste opinion, I guess, of that. <laughs> <laughs> he's just this is a barbaric backwards custom. He's saying he really like, goes off this? on it. <laughs> it's oh, offensive I mean, because they still do these. I don't know if Picard has much of a high opinion of marriage or relationships in general he That's doesn't fair. seem to care much about them 
That's fair. Yeah. And he's just mad he's losing his ship's counselor, too. He's like, she's got to leave. Who's going to be our psychic now? Um, but the unidentified he- vessel... Oh, I was just going to say that Picard only likes it whenever women are dressed up as 1940s uh, floozies. Did you not go wow. back to pressure a floozy? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's on this episode. That's next episode. I know. Stay tuned after the break to hear about the floozies. Um, <laughs> the unidentified vessels shows up and it's on the view screen and um, it's like a, they, they zoom in and enhance on it. And it's like this long ship that's got like a kind of a pretty bubble around it. Um, but they're kind of like, oh, is that is that what I think it is, Mr. Data, Picard says. And, and Data's like, it looks like a Torellian ship, sir. And everybody's like, oh, no, gasp, Torellians. I thought they were extinct. And uh, they don't really explain to us yet why this is an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get a briefing uh, in the in the conference room where Data is talking about how Torella is a planet where they were in a big war with two the two different land masses and somebody made a biological weapon that ended up infecting the entire stupid planet and it's incurable they got an incurable plague that's killing everybody so the Torellians tried to escape the world uh, to get away from it they brought mm-hmm. it with them wiped out several other worlds and then other alien races started hunting them down and killing them so that yeah. they didn't give this plague to people so the Torellians have had a rough time of it they, they are right. kind of super lepers <laughs> yeah <laughs> nobody wants them around and Haven especially does not want them on their planet yes. um and so they're they're kind of concerned about this, and and Picard's like, well, we've got a we've got a conundrum here because we have to both protect Haven because it's in our treaty to do so, but also we got to help these people because they're freaking plagued people, mm-hmm. you know, and that's reasonable. Uh, and so I, I, I think it is interesting. I, like I, I think it's like real quandary where like yeah, it's like fucked up that like they're they're essentially a hunted race at this point. They don't they anywhere they try to go, they're just gonna get like killed by rogue na- by rogue planets or nations it's it's really it's really messed up i'm sure there's yeah. like i'm sure there's like times in history where fucking that, that's happened where like you know the black plague or something where people anyone that gets caught with it you just get fucking sent into the pile and you don't come back but the black plague pretty much wiped out everybody it touched anyway so i don't think you had to really hunt down anybody for it you just like the whole thing with there's a really good book called the Doomsday Book that uh you should read. It's um it's a fictional book, but it's about mm-hmm. about the plague. Uh but the the gist of it is that like if it got to a town, it wiped out the town. Like people talk about how it wiped out a third of Europe, but it wasn't like, oh, it would run through your town and a third of the people would die. No, if it touched your town, your town was dead. Jesus it was Christ. very, very serious. <laughs> so thank God we have antibiotics now. Um, but they they have an incurable plague and they're dying from it. And oh, we didn't notice too that their ship is actually traveling subwarp speeds. Uh, and the Enterprise is like, why is it going so slow? Maybe it's damaged. So that they've been traveling, they've been limping here on this subwarp ship to Haven uh, mm-hmm. to maybe try to use the miraculous he- healing powers there. They're not sure. They're not in contact with the ship yet. But it's a uh, it's just grim. It's grim and bleak. We don't really know what they're... Yeah, at this point, we don't really know what, what they're getting up to. And all we know is that their ship might be damaged, which that never really gets resolved, by the way. Yeah, well, there's no communication with them, and but they they know that they are receiving uh, the signal, but they're not responding. Yeah. So we well, don't know I, why I mean, they're that, here. That even hasn't happened yet, I don't think. They're just far enough away that they can't quite contact them yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, but first, we have a wedding party to attend. Yeah, yeah. That's a nice party scene. So uh, the scene takes place in the Enterprise dining room, which 
It's the only scene in and in the show that ever takes place in the Enterprise's dining room. But it has yeah. a dining room, and we're here for this party. Uh, and oh my god, the hair in this party! Before we say anything else, I got a note: <laughs> the freaking hair is out of control. The it's stylist on this lot. episode went insane. Like I didn't even recognize Tashiar at first because I was like, "Who's this blonde woman sitting here? Her hair is." is nuts it's the most 80s hair it's super 80s everyone's just, got like weird perms or you just gotta turn on the blow dryer for about 10 hours and you're done yeah and crusher's hair too looks awful i don't know what the, what what was with the 80s in hair we gotta make it it's bigger good. it's we gotta go a, taller we need to bring that back we need more crazy hair in the modern no. age <laughs> too much curling um, too much hairspray can you imagine the it, smell of hairspray in that room oh it makes it, it so much you, harder to wear a hat. The whole room on fire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we, we get to the party and we see Mr. Holm drinking from like a beaker, enjoying it. He's having a nice uh, beer or something in He's his beaker. He's having a nice drink of piss, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> I'd say it's beer because it's yellow. I will always say that be- whenever there's a yellow drink. Every time, which is <laughs> many. Lemonade. What if it's lemonade? Oh, that was like white, like lemonade. So I guess, yeah. It was, it was normal. What if it's lemon Kool-Aid? So mm. Mrs. Miller wants Picard to do the marriage ceremony, but Loxana is like, no, 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 no. He doesn't know anything about Betazoid uh, ceremonies. To which Mrs. Uh, Miss Miller is like, um, excuse me, it's going to be a human ceremony, and they start kind of going at it about whether you know what kind of ceremony it's going to be. And while this is all happening, Mr. Home is still just taking drinks down. Except for some reason, now Data is just like watching him drink. He's just there, like, hawking at him. I don't really get it. Data is just fascinated by everything that's happening in this room. Like, he just is having a grand time. The grand He's never been to a party before, I don't think. He has this little tiny smile on his face as he's watching this argument. He's, like, a little... I don't even know how to describe it. It's just, like, he's, like... So joyful. He's bemused. I would say he's bemused. That's his bemused face. Uh, and um, Voxon is like calling uh, Earth ceremonies, Earth wedding ceremonies backwards. And Mrs. Yeah. Miller goes, who do you think you are? And um, I wrote down this verbatim because this is the perfect line. And honestly, I should have recorded it because it's perfect in her voice too. But I didn't. So, so. <laughs> your ignorance is astounding. I am Loxana Troy, daughter of the fifth house, holder of the sacred chalice of Rix, heir to the holy rings of Beta Zed. Who are you? She's such a queen. It's Got so, her. Such a good uh, uh, she's so good. That, and, and that last little who are you? She's She doesn't even like put any inflection on it. She's just like, who are you? She's like, <laughs> she's so good. I, I don't really have any other words to describe her. She's like, just the perfect amount of just like holier than thou over everyone. <laughs> She's a queen. I, we, we've said it 20 times this episode already, but it's true. She's a queen. Uh, but, but luckily, Picard, Picard like, has a way to resolve all of this uh, tension. What does he say? He says, he says that uh, uh, I declare are not permitted on the Enterprise, <laughs> no, 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 so this no, is resolved. He says, I declare all disagreements resolved. That doesn't solve anything. It solved. Everybody's okay with it, though. They're like, yeah, we're no, well, It takes half a scene until things pop off again. No, it's resolved. <laughs> and because Loxana talked last, that means she gets to win the argument. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. Those guess. are the rules. Picard gives a toast to Troy and to Wyatt. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, we're a married couple. Except for Riker, who pointedly does not drink. 
<gasps> I didn't notice. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he, he holds his glass up and he sets it down and he's like he giving a shitty look. Walks the whole off time. in a huff. I can tell you. Yeah, he, does he excuses drink. himself. I can tell you who does drink, Mr. Home, because he drinks more beakers and Data's watching him more. And he, get, he keeps cutting to Data watching this dude drink so much. Hey. Well, and Data asks him too if his Eventually, lineage is yeah. mixed with human. Which what? <laughs> what? what? Yeah, because other, the implication other... is that humans be drinking, but like, I yeah. I don't think that's even true. Like, have you met Klingons? Know. Klingons is always drinking. And and clearly this dude doesn't know how to react to it either. Because he just wide eyes Data, looks around, and then looks up. And then Data also looks up like he's looking at something. Well, one thing we didn't really mention too is when we were just talking about how tall and gray he is, uh Home is a mute. He does not talk ever. But he Okay. Okay, no. He does talk <laughs> at the end of the episode, Hayes. I know you want to say that, but it's a joke played off the fact that he's supposed to be mute. But then he's not even mute. What's the point? <laughs> he doesn't What's talk the point? much. He doesn't say a lot. Hold on. I have a good spoiler, Hayes, which is that when Mr. Hum comes back in later episodes, he never speaks again. Yeah, this is, yeah, this, this is only making episode, me angrier. The end of the episode is literally the only time he speaks in the entire series. He's a mute, but he's not a mute sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> really like you know, those drinks man okay when laxana is like oh don't miss uh cap the captain doesn't know how to do baby's head wedding so mr Hammond will do it and mrs miller's like he doesn't even talk oh yeah but he is highly adept in the act of sign language yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's gonna officiate the wedding with sign language it's fine um but during the dinner Wyatt's asking Picard about the Torellian ship saying oh which I don't know how he heard about that I guess people just gossip on the Enterprise uh, oh you got a you got a Torellian ship out there well, what's the, what's the deal with that because you know he's a doctor he wants to scare people he knows about the Torellian plague um and also during the scene too Mr. Holm is chiming a gong regularly as they eat so um, I'll, I'll just I'll just start dinging while you describe the scene so we can kind of okay. recreate that experience <laughs> all right that's perfect um so why it's uh, saying to Picard, like, yeah, I mean, if there's anything I can do hey. to help, and Dr. Crusher, <laughs> was that a ding? <laughs> you might cut off. You might cut off halfway through it. Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're going you to have loudly. to ding louder. All right. I'll, 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 be, I'll be better. I'll, I'll do it better this time. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, and Dr. Crusher is saying, like, oh, I would love to confer with you because there's another <laughs> It's not that loud. <laughs> I think that's enough dinging, hey. Someone okay, say. <laughs> it was a good recreation of the experience. Um, well, it was like okay, now just picture that for but for like another two minutes straight. But like... Hi, this is Mira. Uh we had a little problem where we lost the audio uh, for about twenty seconds in this recording. So we were just talking about uh how strange it is that Crusher wants to confer with Wyatt about the plague. Thank you and my apologies. Yeah. Like five thousand people on the Enterprise. No, she's the only doctor. She's the only. She's the only one we ever see blue in this show. <sighs> there's more blue people. Well, there's like okay, there's like one that one blue dude that got knocked back by Worf that one time, and that's about it. I assume he's just like a nurse or something. I mean, Troy technically. Troy technically wears a blue uniform when she actually wears it. Oh, really? When, yeah, when she's not wearing her gray suit. I mean, I think at this point they've only shown her in the blue dress, but yeah. uh, she does wear a blue uniform. Interesting. Yeah, when um, we actually see her in a uniform much later in the show, she is wearing a blue one. I, I, I meant to ask about that. Why is she just wearing like these? Like, I don't sweats? fucking know. There's think, no. I'm gonna have an educated guess here, and I'm gonna say Gene Roddenberry is the reason. Yeah. I guess, but it, like, it, it is just a sexualizer, though. Like that's the reason. I, 
yeah it's it's very it's very strange it, but, but like the thing that's weird to me is that he's like it's obviously not that they're like against having like women in like uniform because they have, like tasha they have uh they have Tasha, they have Crusher, they have other characters that are in uniform. Even in, in, in uh, even the original series, they had a uh, Hora in the outfit. So it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going well, on here. <laughs> it's just her. It's it's just her. There's not anything specific. Not because she's a woman. It's just her. It's like she just wears... I was thinking like positions like a counselor or something is like technically different. <gasps> yeah, the, that's the only real logical reason is that she might want to dress more uh, casually to make more people more comfortable or something but it really is like mcfree said i think you can just blame gene roddenberry for it it's just a sexualizer i see and it's well, better than the mini dress so i'll take it you know i i, I will <laughs> yeah. i will I, I will give you uh this little fun fact though in the original uh series um they actually had all the women in slacks and it was the network that made them um uh ha- have mini skirts from that point on oh i didn't know that i didn't know that yeah that's a good fact I say I'll I'll give blame Gene Gene for everything. one one little ding uh, for him to be in the better column. I can uh, blame. But, so the, why it's also saying in this scene, let's get back to this this party scene that we're at. Uh, oh, yeah. okay. That um they could prepare supplies to beam over to the Torellian ship, and Crush was like, yeah, I, I didn't think about that for some reason. Uh, that's a good idea. Yeah, um, like, what? <laughs> Listen, and this, and Mrs. This guy is the new Wesley. Don't worry about it. <laughs> He's so smart. How did you think of teleporting supplies over? No one's ever done this. Yeah, except he just doesn't act like a stupid kid, so he's good instead of bad. Yes. I like Wyatt a lot. He's a good character. Um, But Loxana and Mrs. Miller are being super catty at each other and uh, sitting next to each other at the table, which, who did that? That was a terrible idea. (laughs) I know, really? Like, whose idea was this? Oh, they're just arguing and bickering constantly. And then Loxana has this vine wrapped around her arm and she looks at it and she's like, oh, that's right, Victoria. Do you like pets? And she's, oh, I love pets. That's, yeah, I love animals. And um, Loxana just kind of leans over and her living vine grabs her and she freaks out. <laughs> she hates it. It's so childish. It's I want to so pet the vine. I do too. It's a cool it little plant. like a good vine. And this is the point where Riker's like, all right, enough of this shit. I'm leaving. <laughs> he excuses himself. Like, I got to go. I got to be a pouty baby somewhere else. I'm going to go ponder the Torellian situation, if you know what I mean. <laughs> He's going to go look at his harps and jerk. No. <laughs> Data takes a brief second away from staring at this man, drink a bunch of alcohol to ask. Um, so what, what about this Betazoid uh, ceremony? What's that all about? How's that going to go? And Luxana quickly explains, well. For it to be done, for it to be done correctly, everyone must be naked, including the guests. And and as soon as she say this, Mister Holmes just he starts beaming this massive smile at everyone. He's like, <laughs> oh, everyone's gonna be naked. It's gonna be so funny. <laughs> Mister Holmes just wants to show everybody his giant dick. <laughs> He's like, I'm so proud of what I've worked so hard on it. No, I'm uh, proud for him. Tasha, <laughs> and this is the point where I realized that that's Tasha in the scene because of her freaking hair looking so different. <laughs> even Oops. even the guests are going to be naked. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Mrs. Miller, she's very like di- like taken aback by this, and Luxana just says, "Oh, don't worry, dear. Your body's not that bad." <laughs> <laughs> One she brings up too, like, "Oh, and your husband is excited about seeing me naked." Loxana, really? <laughs> and at this point, Deanna's just fed up with her mother and stands up and starts screaming, Stop bickering! Stop the petty bickering! And rushes out of the room and like knocks over Mr. Holmes' gong. Knocks over the way. gong! Oh, it's so sad. I, I, I love that she did that. I was very happy because fuck that gong. The gong didn't <laughs> she did do the right anything thing. wrong. 
Oh, and then what does Data say, McFreeze? He says, could you please continue the petty bickering? <laughs> it's most he find, intriguing. He finds it most intriguing. It's um, a good data. Good data, one-liner. Then we find Riker posing on the holodeck, just enjoying a nice plantscape. Yeah, he's on oh he's on the soundstage planet. It's just after sunset, and he's sitting on one of those big rocks. It's just one of these rock planets. <laughs> I love a good <laughs> rock planet. It's got uh, a purple sky. It's got a nice purple sky in this soundstage rock planet. Troy walks in, and she sees him pondering the rock. And, you know, she asks, if, she asks if, you know, can I join you? And Riker says that'll miss her. Then Troy asks, are we no, are we, are you uh, no longer my Mzadi? Or am I no longer your Mzadi? And Riker says, like, lady, you're about to get married. Like, I don't know what you want from me. Yeah, she's being really weird in this scene. Like, you know... If she has a more open idea toward that sort of thing, that that's fine. She she's half human. She works on a ship that's mostly human. She dated this guy for years. Yeah. She knows this is awful for him, and she's instead like, "You can still love me, dude. I don't see what the issue is." Come on, bro, get Polly with <laughs> it. Like, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> like, like if if you're if everyone's like consenting with that, like sure. But like Riker is like clearly distraught. Like, right. you can't <laughs> get Polly because she's gonna leave the ship. Yeah, yeah, also that. Um, and, and I guess we should say at this point, uh, Imzadi apparently means uh, like beloved. And so she's asking, yeah. she's asking Riker, like, oh, am, am I no longer your beloved? And it's like, well, you're about to leave me for this other guy, both like in a, in a romantic sense and a literal sense. You're going to leave the ship. So it's like, like, what do you like? He's understandably upset. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't want to deal with any of this right now. And and he's she's not being easy about it she's no you should just get she, over it she comes in with is, this oh, oh humans have trouble separating platonic love and physical love no she says young human males in particular <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she's being much like can, her mother in this way yeah you can see actually right before they cut camera you can see jonathan frakes breaks a little bit but he's <laughs> far enough away that you, you i didn't catch have to that look closely oh that's funny <laughs> Was he laughing about it or what? He was doing a big grin of his that he loves to do. <laughs> and then uh, um, then Wyatt, he joins the holodeck and he's like, whoa, oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. really impressed by the holodeck. How do you sneak onto the holodeck? They you didn't just, he just come in through the door? You can do whatever you want on the Enterprise. No one stops you. We found children in the ready room earlier. Nothing matters. <laughs> like they didn't even... About- how did they not notice him come in? They were right by the door. Yeah, I was reading uh, the Memory Alpha page on this before the episode, and um, they, they do theorize that maybe there's another door that he was farther away. He came <laughs> in that door, and that's why he just snuck up on them. But yeah, we don't hear the door open when he comes in. He's just like, oh, I'm here now. There's and, doors um, within doors. And he's real chill, and he's like, oh, how you guys doing? Are you, you guys doing okay? And, um, and at this Troy- point, Troy... It's like yeah. looks at looks at him and and looks at Riker and he's like, well, you see, uh, this is the guy that I was with before, and he is, uh, you know, not uh, not happy about this. He's he's concerned that um, I or he thinks that you will be. I wrote this down somewhere. Uh, sorry. <laughs> what what does he say? I don't know say? what he's. I, I don't really remember what he says, but she just um she's just basically bringing up the fact of Riker and hers like relationship and what that means. And like how Riker might be concerned about Wyatt and 
they're they're moving forwards with it. Yeah, I think she she basically uh, says like, oh well, he thinks that you might have a problem with me still loving him. Do you have a problem with that? And why it's like, right. no, I don't care. Why it's like, oh, it's fine. I don't yeah. give a shit. This is an arranged marriage. Like, what do we want? <laughs> I, 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 I like that. Uh, I like that. Why it's like he's like, oh, you're the you're the starship guy, right? Good. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's so remarkably chill about it. At this point, in my notes I just wrote down what kind of rules, honestly. Okay, what I wrote <laughs> is Riker's about to leave here, and he makes this face that is in one hundred percent clear to me that he really wants to hate Wyatt, but he can't. He needs yeah. mad about it. <laughs> He's not hateable. This guy's too nice. I'm leaving. God damn it! I mean, he, he does. He even he leaves Wyatt alone with Troy. Merck, the one thing you can give the show, even though Picard like kind of shit talks uh, arranged marriages later on in the episode, the show doesn't treat it like horrible because obviously, like Wyatt is just kind of like this understanding, like chill guy, and he's respectful of Troy, and he even asks her later, like, "Is this what you want to do?" Like it's it doesn't treat it as like this like forced like setup as much as like a more of a traditional thing. So you kind of do have to get it credit credit for that. Oh yeah, absolutely. The the show itself does, except for Picard's little monologue in his log saying like I think this custom is stupid, but whatever. Yeah, but yeah. The, the show itself is like this is a normal thing. I'm sure a lot of alien races have them. You know, it or, probably yeah, happens totally. all over the galaxy. Um, but why it does tell Troy that uh, she her leaving shamed the the parents into compromise. So the joining is going to be half Beta Z, half Earth. Some people will go <laughs> naked. Some will not. Uh, they will be naked. Her mother will be naked. His father will be naked. And uh, none of the guests will have to be naked. <laughs> She's <laughs> like, oh, Captain Picard will be very relieved. Not his mother. No, his not mother his will mother. be clothed. But his father will be... <laughs> He, he talks about why. his father practicing in front of the mirror of just being naked, which I don't know what that means. I guess he's just worried about his... Well, he, he kind of pantomimes it, like sucking in his gut. In his gut. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we do have a nice scene where Wyatt asks, I, you know, I didn't ask you, do you actually want to go through with this? And uh, and she's like, yeah, I do. I do want to go through with this, Wyatt. And the two just like do a very cautious little kiss. Mm-hmm. Oh, very romantic. They seem to have like some kind of connection, which is you know they got something going on here. I'm sure that'll last a long time. It'll be a very happy marriage for them, I think. <laughs> so we cut back to the bridge after they kiss, and the Torellian ship is still not communicating. Um, Jordy says that they are definitely they're receiving their messages; they're just not responding to anything either because they can or just they just won't. Yeah, the Torellian um, ship is leaving them on red. Uh, Haven flags the Enterprise again, saying, "Hey, fucking blow them up already, God! If we're tired of dealing with this." Yeah, they're <laughs> and, and Tasha's like, "Yeah, yeah, let's shoot him, let's shoot him." I'm Tasha. I love shooting. <laughs> I'm glad Tasha is so consistent. Ta- Tasha just gets wanting her- to kill everyone. Well, okay. To, to credit to, to Sasha, she does not suggest they blow up the ship. What she suggests is because they're almost in transporter range. She says, "Oh, we could easily disable them so that they can't move any further." And then Picard's like, "Then what happens, Tasha? Then what? We're just gonna leave them stranded out here?" And she's like, "Oh, yeah, I guess okay. I didn't think about that." He just okay. says, "Then what?" And then he just stares at her until she goes, <laughs> which I think happens every time she suggests anything in the Pretty show. Much. Yes, exactly. She only exists. For, she only says three things on the show, and one of them is to say that we need to blow something up, and for Picard to say no. She's not very respected in her position of chief security. It's, it's sad. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm sure. I'm sure Worf will be a lot better in that role in the future. I'm sure he'll get all the respect. Uh, he does actually get more respect on her because she's a woman. <laughs> oh. uh, uh, anyway, um, um, <laughs> while uh, while uh, Picard has been making Tasha feel bad, the ship has moved into transporter range, and so they uh, 
they get a tractor beam on it and drag it away. Uh, and Data theorizes too that they might uh, they might not be responding back because everybody might be dead on the ship, which mm-hmm. is something worth considering. Like maybe the ship just automatically piloted itself here. Maybe everybody died of the plague, which is reasonable. They have a plague. Um, but when they when they get the the uh, transport not the transporter the tractor beam on them, they finally uh, contact them, the view screen, and uh, the reveals the, uh, is a woman standing front and center. Uh, on the bridge and it is the woman from Wyatt's drawings and Troy oh, recognizes God. her and gasps oh and they cut to commercial <laughs> <the> guys. so <laughs> a few things um we kind of see everyone on the bridge as well uh they're wearing like <laughs> like I, what I can only call like vacation wear you, you know what I mean <laughs> like they all have, like they, they all have like these or uh the dream girl she has like this like blue this like skimpy kind of blue top and she has like these like this kind of like skirt on. The guy has like this shirt with a bunch of like slits in it. It's kind of like cut out. It's all very you know co- comfy and cozy. It's like wh- what? What? <laughs> They've been spending the last fifty years flying to a resort planet. Man, they're going to be ready when they get there. Yeah, they're that's true. Go. They're basically going to like Six Flags as they, as yeah. far as they're concerned. <laughs> Wasting their entire lives going to Six Flags. <laughs> Uh, after the commercial, um, they uh, uh, kept, uh, the guy steps forward from the back of the ship. His name is Ren, um, and he's like, "Oh, hi. We've been we come here. We just like want to w- just beam down <laughs> to a small corner of the planet. We just want to come and die here. That's all we want." But by also- the way, by the way, um, I just want to mention it's very funny that whenever they get the viewfinder up um, and they see the dream girl, she's front and center at the of the uh, communicator. Like she's the one that's going to talk. And then the captain just gets up and pushes her out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get away, Ariana. Really Get away. Weird. Yeah, what is she doing there? Things, Ariana. Um, but they also have at this point called Wyatt up to the bridge because I guess Troy's like, you know, that's the woman from his sketches. We might want to get him up there. And he's carrying them with him. No, he so he up. actually comes up because he's like inquiring about like the supplies. He's like, hey, I got to get something about the supplies. And, he, and then he just so happens to get there as the transmission comes up. And he's like, no, he, he's carrying his sketches, though. So I think that someone told him, hey, the woman from your sketches, bring those to the bridge. We got to we got to take a look at this. Yeah, he's carrying them. Okay. Why else would he bring him to the bridge? I'm really proud of them. Yeah, they asked. Hey, I guess. Have, have, have you seen them? They did yeah. ask. They asked if Wyatt was there and by name. Uh, they the do. Yeah, the they, they did. But he like appears a second later before they even ask for him, or like a second after, a second later after they ask for him, like too too soon for him to. Know, yeah, I think matter. someone called him up to the bridge, and then they're like, "Oh, is Wyatt there?" And then he shows up with his sketches. He's like, oh, "I'm here." What you? I ain't-. see. I see. Well, he actually looks at her and he says, how could I have been so accurate or something like that? But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she does look like the drawings. So yeah. You got to give him credit. Um, I just like her. I think her hair is the biggest of all hairs on this episode. Oh, my. You want to talk about 80s hair? Oh it's, my God. She's got it's powerful good, but 80s it's hair. Un- just humongous. It's so much. And we didn't mention his drawings also include that humongous 80s hair, too. So it's very accurate. He, he very, he's hard to draw curly hair. You know, you got to give him credit. Yeah. <laughs> There's so, a lot of things in it. So they're wondering, they're wondering about the virus. Um, and they say, oh, yeah, all of us uh, still have the virus. All and, eight of us. Which, like, this must be not that big of a deal, the virus. I don't know. They seem to be fine. None of them are, like, sick at all. All eight of them are up and going. 
they, they don't they specifically they, they don't really detail what the virus is or how it hurt or how it kills you or anything well we know that they will all die eventually though i guess because they do they all like, die eventually <laughs> They're well, like people of old age on there. They're they're clearly like seventy years old. So it's like, oh, this is a virus that only kills you when you turn one hundred and five. It's like it doesn't do anything for you. There's only eight trillions left in the entire galaxy, Ace. <laughs> Please, it does something. Clearly, we just are, are you sh- are we sure though? Hey, you it remember that? To. You remember that admiral from the first episode? He was like one hundred and sixty. <laughs> He's so old. I think he was one hundred thirty. I don't think he was quite one hundred sixty. He looked know. 160, though. He did look 160. He did not yeah. look good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so um, I believe they say that, like, okay, we don't want to, we don't want to interact with people on Haven. We just want to be on some fucking island somewhere. We won't bother anyone. We won't interact with, with anyone. Just leave us be. We just came here to die. Is literally what they say. And Picard's yeah. like, well, I'll talk to him and see what we can do. Uh, and then uh, we have Wyatt go talk to Luaxana. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Wyatt is like, the woman that I've dreamt about every freaking night for my entire life is here. And I know, I don't know, I'm losing my mind. I got to go talk to Loxana, the only person that makes sense in this world. <laughs> I guess because she's psychic. So. Yeah, you need the expert advice of a telepathic person. And Loxana wastes no time talking down to him. <laughs> she says, okay, this may be really under like hard for you to understand. But for me, it's like really basic, actually. Uh... <laughs> She basically says that all uh, all of life is kind of bound to each other. Everything is connected, and they're and apparently he and uh, Ariana are just inexplicably inexplicably linked. In some just way. you know, it's just fate. Yeah. She you just gotta, gives him the Deepak Chopra of it. You got to <laughs> use the force. And, and then says, and then uh, without wasting any time, she asks, "Which one of these headdresses would look better on me naked?" <laughs> Yeah, she goes, she's like, you know, this, you know, here you have a fate bound with this woman, but what about the wedding? How am I going to look? <laughs> <laughs> I know she's like, this. she's like, I think she does know what she's doing because later she's like, oh, good job, Wyatt. But I think she's just kind of teasing him here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so but, Wyatt. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, Wyatt, you know, he goes down to sick bay, he starts kind of rummaging through everything. He's getting some supplies some medical stuff. And Crusher is like, oh, what, what are you doing? Because she notices that he's kind of acting strange. He's like really rushing to kind of get everything. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm just getting some stuff to bring down to uh, the teleporter. And I'll just teleport some supplies uh, willy nilly. It'll be really fast. Crusher says, but yeah, okay. I want to know, too, that like when he was talking about teleporting supplies over, I figured like crates of supplies. He's got a little like first aid kit. <laughs> he's, he's got like a well, suture box and like one other thing. It's barely anything. It's, it's like there's only eight of them. I mean, you don't need much. You need a little bit. When we find out what his plan is, he needs a lot more. <laughs> He'll, <laughs> He'll figure it fine. out as he goes, I guess. But as he leaves, uh, he also like sneakily grabs his syringe off the yes. counter. Open yeah. Crusher's not looking. Uh, but he goes to see his parents and Deanna, who are preparing for the wedding, and uh, tells them that he cares about them a lot. He needs They need to take care of each other. Uh, he kisses Troy again, and they're all just like, well, you're acting a little weird, Wyatt. Wedding nerves or what? <laughs> and he doesn't really explain himself and just leaves. <laughs> he just leaves. And you think Troy would pick up on this too, but maybe she doesn't really care. She's like, oh, he's leaving. Yeah. That's fine. Troy's a passenger. We've said it. <laughs> she- <laughs> Yeah. Well, and she's not like super into the idea of the arranged marriage either. So he's also she, she, she seemed like she, she was into it at this point. Like, 
she probably understands though that the same thing like if you're dreaming about the same woman every night for your entire life and then she shows up like yeah you're not going to win against that what if it doesn't work out <laughs> what well, if your dream girl isn't your dream girl that's well, too damn bad because you're stuck on that <laughs> you got the plague now uh, so so white goes onto the onto the holodeck and some officer is like all right sir i've got the the holodeck all ready for you i got the you coordinates the transporter, in. All, transporter the transporter uh yeah. go to the i got the transporter all set up for you I got the coordinates all in you just need to push it in and go I just put the items on the on the deck there and i'll get them sent he's like wow thanks mr transporter guy stabs him with a syringe knocks him out <laughs> He's not stabbing with a syringe. He uses the hypo spray. Okay. Is very nonviolent. Okay. Actually, I what? learned that they used the hypo spray on the original series because the network would not let them use needles. <laughs> yeah, it's probably, it's probably easier to do that too. Honestly, you just have a little piece of plastic that you put on someone, and it's like, Psst. yeah, yeah it goes you don't through have to go around sticking too. people with needles, and yeah. Yeah. I, I um, just honestly assumed it was some kind of like, you know, when you go to the doctor and get a physical and they do the thing that stabs your finger. Mm-hmm. I always just thought it was like that, like one of those finger stabby things, but that works better. So there's a needle in that thing, but you can't see it. OK, that was my point. Anyway, <laughs> he, he beams over to the Torellian ship. Yeah, he beams over to the Torellian ship and Jordy's like, oh, someone's beaming over. I can't do oh, anything about it. Too it's late. too late. Oh, he's, he was he's so gone. fast. He's the fastest. He's the fastest <sighs> he's ever been. And so he, he he gets on the Trillian ship and he looks over. He's on, he sees these blue halls. And he looks on the wall. What does he see? <laughs> he sees these beautiful, immaculate portraits. Um. <laughs> okay. If anybody out there is listening and they have experienced drawing, I will describe to you these portraits. They are drawings done in a singularly a 2B pencil. They have no shading beyond a 2B pencil drawing. Some of them, the proportions are way off. Like, these were done by somebody real fast. So, like, this was somebody, they took one yeah. of the production artists and said, look at these portraits of this actor that we got from him, and you've got 10 minutes. Go do go, it. Go, 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 go. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> so, so they're, rushed out. They're not I liked, terrible. I liked the ones that are, they were drawn, and then they cut out around his head. Yeah. They're, they're not the worst drawings in the world, but they're also like really quick, just quick sketches of the person. They're not like super well done. And yeah. they, they, the presentation of them, like McFree said, they, most of them are cut out around the head and put in these uh, glass. Um, what are those called? Uh, when you've got glass that's like frameless pictures, like they're really the, the presentation on them is gorgeous. But their drawings <laughs> look like, like they were like done really by, by me when I was 12. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it is cool because you kind of see so well actually i should i guess cool but it's in reality it's kind of weird they're just in a fucking hall like this but um it, it's interesting that like it shows him kind of growing up because you see a young version of him and then a slightly older and then a slightly older so you can see it's like you know clearly she's been kind of drawing them throughout her life and just like, like he's been drawing her yeah yeah i like that in exactly one of these pictures he has big 80s hair that was and, his glamorous shot, his headshot that this agent had for him. And and so uh, he looks over to his right and he sees the entire crew of the ship just hanging out, being like, "Hello, Wyatt. <laughs> We've this been waiting is... for you, Wyatt. We knew you would come." I would question my decisions up to this point if this happened. Yes, it's very strange. And uh, the Trillians message back the Enterprise with Wyatt in tow. 
Um, oh, I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, briefly, the Wyatt's parents come onto the bridge and say, how could you let this happen? How could you let you, this happen? You have to beam him back, his mom says. And, and Deanna's like, he can't come back ever. Like, he's got the plague now. He says very clearly, he can never come back. He's got he's got the world's slowest p- uh, plague. The, he's got the, the light gray plague. <laughs> and he's... Uh, so the Trillions message back the Enterprise and why it's there. And he says, I'm going to stay on the ship and try and cure him. He says, holding his like tiny medical pack with like yeah. zero supplies. Um, it's okay. I've got these two needles. I've got this. He's got this. He's got this. Um, and so, and Troy is just like, sure. Okay. <laughs> Troy doesn't really have much input here. She's just well, like, she's what? not going over there. What are you going to do? She's, but she's she like, was about to she's marry just, him. Uh, well, she's fine. It was an arranged marriage. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, the, the arrangement the, is off. The, like, man, here, I I didn't even have to do anything to get out of this one. And so <laughs> and so then the Trillion ship, which has a broken warp drive and broken communications, then just trots away slowly into the black of space, never to be seen again. Yeah, the guy Ren says to the captain, "Okay, we don't need Haven anymore. We got we, we came for pointing to Wyatt. Like, all right, we're good." Oh, yeah, so they say that like it's really weird. They say like, oh, we all just wanted to have Wyatt. That's all we came here for. So it's like I get it for Ariana. Why are they so like committed to Ariana? Like, get it finding this guy. Well, Why do they? I think the the conceit here is that uh, this was supposed to be like a predestined destiny thing that he is supposed to cure their plague. But I don't. There's only eight of them left, and if he does, like, who cares <laughs> at this point? Well, I guess it'll be good for them if they don't die of the plague. But I think. The rest of the people are pretty old, and they probably don't figure they have much left to live for. But maybe Ariana does, and we're going to do this for her. So for the last 50 years, they just were like, listen, Ariana, your dream guys. He's got to solve all our problems. We'll just keep going to this one place. It'll it'll, it'll be fine. Well, and they've also, like, there's eight of them right now. Who knows how many they started with, but they've just been dwindling off, and there's eight of them remaining for just isolated on this ship for decades, alone in space. So, like, you're going to be excited about any development, I guess. Like, Ariana, oh, Ariana, did you have another dream about Wyatt? Oh, tell me more about Wyatt. Let's put his picture (laughs) in the hallway. Let's hang him up in the hall. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, boy, Uh, Wyatt's here. We're so excited. This is the biggest day of any of their lives. Wyatt is finally here. I guess good for them. I guess I don't know. This, the story yeah. in this episode, I like this episode a lot because it's got good character stuff, but but the plot is really stupid. It's you so know, stupid. it's really dumb. He um, really is Wesley when you think about it. So the ship goes away, um, and so it's time to wrap up the episode. And they take Loxana over to the transporter room, and she says, "You know, maybe I should stick around, see if I can attract a new mate." And she like makes fun of Picard for for apparently having thoughts about her, <laughs> and then <laughs> and then Luxana tries to hit on Riker, but Troy shuts that well, down immediately. She says, "Yeah, she says Picard is too old for her." When they're like, the "Oh same my god, age. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because Lady, how old yeah, are you? She, she is definitely older than Picard." Yeah, I sure. guess even she probably is older than Picard. But yeah, uh, and then Deanna gets really mad that she flirts with Riker, and then she kisses Deanna and beams off. But before she beams off, she uh. Well, no, we get home and saying his his iconic one line that he ever says. He turns to Picard and says, thank you for the drinks. He's not a mute. Why does he know sign language? Why is he only speaking sign language? He can clearly just speak. Because we needed everyone to go, uh. Yeah, it's like a funny comedy moment at the end of the episode. Ah, ha, ha. <laughs> and then before they transport off, Loxana says, oh, Captain, 
even my previous valet never had such dirty thoughts about me. And they beam off. <laughs> it beams <laughs> off Deanna's immediately. Like, <laughs> that was supposed to be a joke, Captain. He's I am not amused. I'm not amused. <laughs> yeah, I like, that, um, that, when that. the when the other parents were being off, they say, "Keep the chest. You'll have use for it someday." And I'm like. What are they talking about? The jewels? What What are they talking about? <laughs> they're, they're letting her keep the jewels for some reason. But I don't understand have, that. Whatever. What are you gonna? You have use for jewels? Just to you might wear. Get married. You need to wear jewels. I don't know. What are they talking about? I don't, I don't know. know. They I go back know. to the bridge, and, and Picard's just like, "Our destiny is elsewhere, but I'm happy yours is here with us, Counselor." And they beam off. Da 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 da. The end. We've got the head, and that's what's important. Yeah, but I would that would be the real winner of that. Is keep the keep the Armin Shimmerman chest head. <laughs> and that is that. I like that episode, though. Like I said, it's it was, stupid. It's fun. It's, it's a fun episode. There's a lot of stuff happening. It's just, it's just. There's a mm-hmm. a wildness that is not really there in a lot of these. Like everyone's, everyone's always usually being all formal and procedural and here comes Mrs. Troy to fuck everything up. It's wonderful. <laughs> She's good at that. We talked about it for a long time too, I guess. Uh, we should probably take a break. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, that, that, that was a fun episode. I really enjoyed that. I guess. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Cause when you were talking about it earlier, I thought you didn't enjoy it. You were like, oh, this episode, I, I, I needed to, I needed to watch it again to kind of really appreciate it. I, whenever it became a Luxana story and not a Troy story, it works a lot better for me. Yeah, and it's like a slice of life episode of the of the Enterprise. Honestly, I like that. Yeah, kind of. It was sort of slice of life, not really. But anyway, we're gonna take a break. <laughs> when we get back, we're gonna talk about the Big Goodbye episode twelve. Uh, so so tune in in like twenty seconds, if that. It's more like five for you guys, I guess. I don't know. We'll be back. <laughs> and we are back. We are gonna be talking about the Big Goodbye, which uh the First aired on, I'm looking at the wrong page still, that's still Haven, aired on January 11th, 1988. We're in 88 now, folks. No more 87. Uh, and uh, it was written by uh, Tracy Torme again, directed by Joseph L. Scanlon. And the in-universe date was 41997.72364. In this episode, Picard needs some rest and relaxation, and the holodecks have just been upgraded. So he is checking out his new program, a Dixon Hill Detective Noir story. That's that's it. That's my that's my whole synopsis. There's also some bug people. We'll we'll get to that. Allegedly. We never even <laughs> see them. We don't see them, which is sad. But uh we start with the Riker's log giving a, a we're having a brief contact with the insect race Harada, uh which the Federation has been trying to make uh, peace talks with for a very long time, but it keeps fucking up because they're very irritable at the slightest mistake. So Picard has to give them a greeting, and it must be perfect, absolutely perfect. He cannot make a single mistake, or they are. Uh, it is implied will murder everybody. Hmm. They do imply that. They do. <laughs> you know, we don't we don't really know any of their capabilities or anything, but apparently yeah, this is enough of a threat that they're worried about it. They are, yeah. I think it's also because they they wanted it to go well, so that the Federation can finally have a relationship with these aliens. Mm-hmm. Picard can't mess it up, but he's studying with Troy, trying to get this greeting just right, speaking in his alien tongue. Yeah, he's re- he's reading the rules, which are, as I wrote down, 
The inverted <laughs> T means to hold the Z, unless it's followed by three wavy lines, in which case the Z becomes a B. And then there you go. Uh, Picard's getting very frustrated with very frustrated with this. To which the very racist Troy says, "Well, it is an insect mine, sir." Which Troy? It's pretty fucked up. That's fucked up to say. I, I didn't take it as a, as an insult to them. I, I thought maybe like they have better minds because they're insect brains. I thought she was mocking them for having a weird language. They got a cool language. And she also points <laughs> out too that you spell knife with a K, and he goes, "I spell knife with an N, but I never oh, could oh, spell." Oh. <laughs> got him um, but she tells him he needs to relax he needs to chill out before this you know he's, he's, you can be too over prepared she tells him maybe mm-hmm. you should chill out and go check out your new holodeck program huh? we just got those holodecks upgraded captain you got the program ready and installed and he's like he's... oh maybe oh he's so happy he's just thinking dixon hill dixon hill <laughs> dixon hill he's so excited <laughs> so he goes to the holodeck and he inputs the program like gives this, this computer the setting and the year which i thought was really weird like normally they just tell him hey open this file and he says like where state where you would like to go san francisco 1940 what is it 1941 1941 yep you think um, that the setting and time would be pre-installed into the program but you know I, that's why i'm not a holodeck engineer he still Ooh, has yeah. to load the program, yeah. So why <laughs> we have to establish that this can be anywhere at any time? <laughs> I guess, yeah, 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 probably. Um, but he, he finishes loading in his Dixon Hill and opens the holodeck, and he's transported into a really grimy-looking 1940s hallway. It's super really grimy-looking. There's a janitor lady like mopping and stuff, and the walls are filthy. And uh, there's a, a Dixon Hill office up ahead. <sighs> but he's Dixon that's Hill. For. That's his office. Oh, I have a fun fun fact about this episode, too, that I read on Memory Alpha before we started this. Um, they originally wanted to film all the 1940s scenes in black and white, and that would have been really cool if they had done that. But yeah. it, was, it, was, it was shot down because they're like, oh, that's stupid. The, the holodeck wouldn't change the appearance of the people on the Enterprise. Like that's, a, like that's a real reason to not do it. That would have been that really would've, cool. That would have been really stupid if they were all walking around in full color, and I think they should have done it. I was also looking at Memory Alpha to see where these sets came from because these are like uh, all the 1940s section have really like unique and intricate sets that I assume you don't really see that often, but like they have to come from a different show or something because they're just like way they're way too well made to just be like a one off thing for TNG, which like most of the time at the best of times uses a cheap soundstage for all their unique alien worlds and stuff because the. The period accuracy of some of the like street stuff and other stuff they show is like really impressive. Yeah, I don't think the set itself necessarily was used for a different show, but I'm sure that the studio that they they film at probably has an entire uh, warehouse full of of props that they can use, and they just raided the 1930s and 40s sections because like right. even the cars too, like it's really impressive. Um, but but right now we always see a crappy hallway. He walks into his office and uh, there's a secretary there uh, mm-hmm. who's very 1940s dressed. Uh, and she just laughs at him immediately because she recognizes that he's wearing uh, his uniform and not like normal 1940s clothing. Mm-hmm. Like, what did, you, what did you lose a bet? <laughs> <laughs> What's with the bellboy get up? <laughs> What's with the bellboy get up? And there's a lady named Bradley in the office. She's got nice legs. Or no, she just says nice legs. And he's like, thank you. <laughs> not he you, looks huh? down at his legs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cut to cut to the uh next shot, which is just full on on her legs. Well, it's the first yeah. the first is secretary though, I want to say, uh, I got a hot date with my fella. 
Glad <laughs> get that yeah. in there. But and yeah, Picard the, the, walks into this second. great shot. Bef- okay, but hold on. Bef- because before he walks in, I wrote down Picard has the biggest smile on his face. He loves it so much. Oh and my he, God. Looks like, he looks like he's going to cry. He's so happy to be this fucking detective. I earlier said that uh, he was like a tourist during this whole section. And I still stand by that where he's just like, anytime anything happens, he's just like laughing going, Oh oh, oh, yes. He's just, he's having a great time. He is. I I love the, I love the idea of this episode too, because it's like, he got this cool new video game and there's a scene later too, where he's so excited and he's telling everybody about his cool video game. Like, Oh my God, you guys, I could see the the cars outside. It was so real. Like you had to be there. (laughs) It's so cute. I love I it. I wish he anyway, would have been pointing at the TV. He he walks in and uh, does he just says, see- uh, I lost a bet <laughs> before <laughs> before she can address his uh, outfit. Uh, and uh, so uh, Miss Bradley, the, uh, he and Miss Bradley are talking. Or sorry, this woman's name is Miss Bradley. I believe Brittany Bradley or what, what's her first name? I didn't get her first name. I'm just Bradley. Was the they mentioned it whenever she died. Well, well bring that up in a but, um, wow. <laughs> she dies in this detective noir story no she, uh, she, says, she wants to she hire says, dixon hill someone's trying to get me someone's trying to kill me um and she's like she asks uh picard i believe to find an object that uh who um who is it she suspects cyrus uh, an object cyrus that Re- cyrus redblock wants, and she thinks that uh she's he's after her because of that which is not very, it's not made very clear how this is all really connected, but it doesn't really matter. It doesn't well, really you, matter, no. You should have read the book beforehand. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Picard right. knows you all know, about honestly, it. The, the setting in this episode is so thorough that I have to look up regularly whether this is actually a real thing or not. And it's not. Dixon Hill is invented for the show. It's not it a real. Is not. Uh, but they, the setting is really impressive for it. It's it's kind of implied that uh, Dixon Hill it was like made like to be Sherlock Holmes in the forties. It was made you know much much later than our current time period. So it was just like kind of like a you know it, it was instead of Sherlock Holmes taking place in the eighteen hundreds, it's uh, it's you know Sherlock Holmes taking place in the nineteen hundreds. It's just kind of shifted over now. Yeah, of course, it's, it's if, much more noir than it is Sherlock Holmes, and yes, uh, yes. much more Humphrey Bogart. I'm not familiar with my with my detectives. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I was looking at the me neither. I was looking at the memory alpha page. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Apparently, this was was based a lot on the Maltese Falcon, which I've never seen. So I see. So um, then we get a little VO from Picard talking about how Dixon, like you were saying, Dixon Hill was one of his favorite um, characters growing up, and he he'd always admired him, and now he gets to live the life of dixon hill i just love this because he's like captain's personal log dixon hill is great i love the holodeck <laughs> this is so much fun i'm having a great time this well, yeah, just the, in the case he is, needs to look at it later and remember the holodeck has just been upgraded uh and um he says that the characters are now meta generated by the computer <laughs> so what does that uh, even mean he, he was supposed to say meta he was. What does that I, even I mean? Mentioned, no, I mentioned no. that because there is no way anyone listening would know he's supposed to say meta. <laughs> I, I only knew that because I had subtitles on. Otherwise, yeah, I was, was going to be very confused. What is um, meta generated? So she brings up Cyrus Redblock. She thinks that he's the, she thinks that's the one that's like after her. And Picard says, well, I don't know if I can, like, you know, he gives his hourly rate and he says, 
I don't know if I'm going to take this case. And she goes up to him and kisses him on the side of the lip and says, I actually don't have it written down what she says, but she flirts with him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you'll take this case. All right. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know. I didn't write down what she says either, but yeah. When, when he's, he's, he's like, when uh, she's saying, what's your rate? He's like, got a big grin because he gets to say the line. Oh, it's $20 yeah. a day plus expenses. <laughs> and uh, so <clears throat> He kind of, I think this is around the time where he kind of cuts things off in the world of San Francisco, of Dixon Hill, and he decides to go back to the real world. No, not as... quite yet. Not quite yet. Oh, really? Okay. Well, one second. She she gives him a C note, which is a $100 bill for those not in the know. She says, mm-hmm. I'm giving you a C note as a pertainer. Uh, next time, wear a suit. And then as she leaves, she picks up a business card. That's what I wanted to know, because that is important. That is important. Yeah, and then Picard has to go look out the window. He's like, wow, cars. <laughs> he's remarkable. He loves, he loves it. it so much. So excited. He's like, he's, he's got, he's got though, this big honestly. grin on his face. He's looking at his desk. He's looking outside. He's having a great time. This is the most relatable thing, though, for anybody who's ever played a video game, a new video game that was super cool. Like, whoa! <laughs> totally, the graphics totally. in this are amazing. <laughs> and you so the, you see this building? You can climb that. So eventually, no, he he calls. <laughs> He calls for an exit, and then somebody. I'm not. I'm not, gonna, I'm not letting your Skyrim joke get by here, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I missed it entirely. I was too busy thinking about the holodeck. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm always thinking about the holodeck. He calls for. Uh, he calls for an exit, and the in a uh, exit kind of appears in the side of his office wall, and uh, he's ready to leave. Then he, he hears some banging on the on the door, and this guy with like a really weird high pitched voice is like. Uh, Mr. Mr. Dixon Hill, you need to hold on. I need to, I need to talk to you about something. Picard says, no, I need to get dressed. I'll see you later. And just leaves. Just walks out of the wall yeah. of his office. Like, I gotta go. Sorry, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy walks in like, where did he go? <laughs> he just left. And, and so Picard calls a meeting about the, the Haradans, which are a big threat. But before he can well, actually talk about this real, th- uh, this real, not threat, but like, you know, it's like this uh, uh, greeting they have to do. It's very important they have to do this. <clears throat> but it's more important they talk about video games. The, 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 <laughs> I love this scene because it does, like, we don't even know they're in there to meet about the Hrons. It's just a conference room of all the bridge crew and Picard is going, oh my god, you guys, this <laughs> game is so cool. It, <laughs> incredible. Like, we'd have no idea why they're all there. You can think that he called the meeting just to tell them his Dixon Hill program is the coolest. I it's, think that's canon, personally. <laughs> oh, that's oh, great, so he's, he says, I saw automobiles. And Worf's like, automobiles? <laughs> and then, of course, Data has all the info. So he says, they are an ancient Earth device primarily used for transportation, also seen as a source of status and virility. Often a prime ingredient in teenage mating rituals. And he looks at it looks at Wesley when he says that too, which really weirded me out. Like, why are you looking? At, I guess he's he's a teenager, but he's not going to go get a car and do some mating rituals, Data. Oh well, he wasn't until you told him about it. Yeah, he's oh, I should get myself an automobile. And so, I believe Picard. Uh... <laughs> Card eventually invites uh, Crusher to go with him, as well as a 20th century historian that we've never ever met ever. So I believe his name is Waylon. It yeah, is Mr. Waylon. And what you will find as we go along is there are 
the enterprise is just full of people who are experts on 20th century things for some reason. That's very strange. <laughs> but That's also, very he's like, he first he says, hey, Crusher, you should come with me. She's like, yeah. And then she gets like, real excited. Oh, yeah. About it. She's like, oh, yeah. Is it like and a date? Yeah. Also, we're going to bring Waylon. She's like, oh. She gets so deflated. <laughs> <laughs> she just sits down and gets all very disappointed looking. Yeah, like, oh. Picard's uh, trying then, his best. He just loves it. And then Picard's like, oh, yeah, I guess we should actually talk about the bug people, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and, and Riker's talking about, well, they're diplomatically important to the Federation. We, previous attempts, we talked about this, have gone badly because they're saying the wrong things. And then they mentioned how the last meeting that the Federation attempted with them, uh, we've all heard the recording of that. And this is where they imply heavily that the, uh, the Haradans might have destroyed everybody there because somebody mispronounced something. <laughs> Which, like, why would you risk more ships with this? This is ridiculous, right? It might matter, I guess. I don't know. They don't mention how it matters. They just said, we need these bug people. (laughs) It's important, damn it. We're not going to play, boy. You don't want them to be against you. No, yeah, that sounds sounds so bad. Sounds Mm -hmm. bad? Sounds bad. Seems bad. Data really wants them to re-listen to the tape too of last time. Data, he asked like, like a million times. He's like a little baby are you sure? child. We we should listen to it, Picard. Are you sure? We should listen to it. And Picard's like, no, I know what happens. They get killed. Yeah. Thank you, Data. And so <laughs> I think Picard. the, the Data, Data just wants to hear people getting murdered. He's really fascinated by that kind of thing. <laughs> I guess. Um, uh, Picard adjourns the meeting though and Data is walking out with Jordy and asks why Why doesn't the captain want to listen to this old tape I don't understand <laughs> it's a more cool data. tape yeah. uh, and um, Data's asking him about the, the Dixon Hill program and Jordy's like oh he's just the 20th century Sherlock Holmes and then Data's like Sherlock Holmes eh because as we remember from a previous episode Data is very interested in his Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. so then Data goes and Googles Dixon Hill on the computer and looks up everything about him and reads through all of his books. Show me all the books at hyperspeed. <laughs> I can't believe Data's book- a speed reader. That, this is disgusting. I hate Data now. <laughs> He's a robot. What do you want from him? Speed reading, speed reading. You, you, you got to appreciate the art. This is this is awful. His brain works faster than our weak I human know, brains. I know. He's a robot. <laughs> He's a robot. Um, so, and so the, the book was written by Tracy Torme. So go. What, what, what's oh, important, hey. by the way, is that he only reads the books. He doesn't hear how anything is pronounced. He doesn't watch any movies. So what comes later makes zero sense. But I'm very happy it happens. Well, we can assume that maybe he got more information than they show us in this scene. No, I don't know. He, he thoroughly did his research. Maybe so. He, was, maybe he, was so. he watched prepared. all the famous Dixon Hill movies. Yeah. I bet he just downloaded them the, all and watched them in two minutes. The the Dixon Hill uh, cinematic universe. Probably. Um, so the Haradan rendezvous is 11 hours away and Picard is all dressed up in a suit now. He's ready to go back into his holodeck and relax. Have a good time. Uh, he's in there with, with Waylon, who's also dressed up in his suit. They're all ready to go in their 40s get-ups. Uh, Data shows up, also in a suit, also ready to go. Mr. And... Data has a wonderful pinstripe suit and yes. hat. And it's, <laughs> it's, he's the best looking by far. By far. It's not even close. I think, well, I think Crusher looks really good, too. Data and Crusher go really hard on it. Picard yeah. just gets, like, a trench coat. He's lazy, and the other guy just gets a suit. Like, they, like they could have gotten harder. I mean, all, all three piece suits are good to me, in my opinion. I really like Picard's little hat, too. Hmm. Um, but uh, they walk in. They say Dr. Crusher's going to be coming later because she had the trouble with the outfit or whatever. Uh, and they walk into the street in the 1940s, and this set is 
freaking amazing. It this looks is a- amazing. It looks so far better than anything else we've seen on the show so far. Like it, it's incredible how like period accurate accurate this looks. I, I assume like their studio just has like these kinds of these kinds of sets like lying around. I think you were kind of on the money yeah. that like yeah they probably have like okay here's our like you know gangster city set we can just you can just use this we have this we have access to this even if it's but not like, just the set like they have all the props they've got the cars they've got uh they had like right uh, the, the u.s army uh, wants you uncle sam poster on the freaking wall and they got newsstands and newsboys and this is all probably just lying around but god it looks so much better than it's what we're so used to good yes it's yeah. a beautiful set and there's so much detail everywhere and they've got a lot of uh, extras too walking around and mm-hmm. I, picard is right to rave about this holodeck program it's really cool <laughs> <laughs> it's really it's very impressive um so they go to they go to a newsie they uh who's he's passing out some newspapers and picard's like hey get me a newspaper well no he's not like that picard is still very stuffy and despite <laughs> being in like this like fantastical world he still has to be picard he still has to be patrick stewart through everything he's like can i have a newspaper please well <laughs> i think before before this um picard's just walking around like marveling at everything and just walking into the street and Waylon has to pull him out of the way of a car. <laughs> they good. got cars here. Uh, cars. I'm glad you brought me the historian to show you that you don't want to get run over by those. <laughs> <laughs> On the newsy too, I wanted to know is played by Dick Miller, who uh, is also <gasps> in a, in a very prominent episode in um, uh, DS nine uh, later um, where he plays a guy named, what was it? Vin? What was the fucking guy's name? Breeze? You I know? think it's Vin. I think it's Vin. He, he, I don't know. Dick Miller kills it as the newsie. He's so good. He's he's also in the Gremlins movies. He is. <laughs> Very important to mention. So Picard reads the newspaper and we <laughs> we get I, what I consider to be something that makes no sense. He doesn't know what baseball is, but he loves Dixon Hill novels. How does this work? Well, Dixon Hill uh, isn't a baseball player, you see. So <laughs> No, but it's going to have baseball at some point. Clearly, I mean, this is based uh, on Dixon Hill novel, and Dixon Hill apparently read about baseball at some point. So, like... I, does anybody um, remember exactly how he pronounces the name? Because I want to make says, sure that's said. All right, now we're in my wheelhouse here. Um, <laughs> Dimaggio Street, which is 37. And the look the news he gives him when he says that, too. Like, what the fuck? Like, what's wrong with you? Sir, it's Dimaggio, says Data. <laughs> Jolting Joe, the Yankee Clipper. Um, And so, apparently, I think this makes sense because Picard does not acknowledge Italian or any language that isn't French. So that makes sense. <laughs> Maybe so. And so, uh, Data says, a streak will reach uh, eventually 56 games and will eventually be snapped by a pair of journeyman hurlers from the Cleveland Indians. And news guy's like, what? Cleveland? They ain't got no pitchers. They ain't never got no pitchers. (laughs) I must point out that at this point in time, Cleveland has Bob Feller, who was the best pitcher in baseball at the time. Hey, 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 don't worry about it. it. Yeah. 
I feel like he's, of, he's overblown. Forget about him. Regardless wow. of the of the accuracy of that statement, I feel like it would still be something he'd say for exactly how he's totally. just, yeah. Yeah. Well, just trash talking. Just trash talking Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, fuck Cleveland. They, they ain't got nothing. And nobody's well, he's right. And then Data also goes on to talk about how the streak would eventually be vested in the uh, what was it twenty twenties by twenty twenty six by a shortstop for the London Kings. And what gets cut off? Wait, that doesn't make any damn. Did they, they assume the MLB would just like grow nationwide? Like, what's yeah. the some... yeah? <laughs> well, they thought that I guess in the eighties. The NFL in the last few years has been trying to expand into London, and it does not work. That. No, it does not work. It's never. Well, I work. mean, they get they get they get fans and everything, but it's like. Or they get people to come to the games, but like, are you really getting new fans out of this? It is questionable at best. It just seems awful for the players to have to deal with like jet lag. It is terrible to like fly (laughs) eight hours across an ocean. Yeah, it's ridiculous. That's great. That's just just like logistically, that doesn't work. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but a bit of continuity though. They do actually keep the London Kings story throughout DS9, too. And it's brought oh, up like season yeah. seven of DS9, where they actually have the picture for the London Kings that broke that streak uh, as a holodeck character. One of my uh, one of my favorite things is whenever shows very early on just have all these like weird names and concepts they bring up like in their first season that aren't really like fleshed out or thought or like thought through. And then they just like bring them back up over the course of like the show or the season or even like. Like with DS9 cross series. Or through another series, yeah. Like yeah. literally, yeah. this would have been uh, 11 years later, I want to say, or something mm-hmm. like that. Some ridiculous amount of time later that this was brought up again because it's the last season of DS9 from something in the first season of TNG. I think that's a good bit of continuity and worth mentioning. Yeah. The, one of my favorite shows that does this the most, though, is like Venture Brothers. They're so good about just like bringing up random lines that ha- like happened one time in in a early season and just like fleshing them out to be like these like full plot points later on. It's it's really good. What's the, yeah. what's the opposite of Cinema Sins? Cinema Saints? Oh my god! There's a, a channel ding. called Happy Cinema ding. Wins. Ding. I, I think. Um, Cinnamon Wins is what you'd call that, yeah? Huh? Hmm. Yeah. So they're still they're, talking about uh, <laughs> about this in the news. He's like, what, what is this guy's deal? This guy is really weird. Uh, oh, my God. What, <laughs> where, what is, is he from around here? And uh, Picard's like, uh, no, no, he's from um, South America. <laughs> and, then, and then he says, oh, he, uh, he's, yeah, he's got a great tan and cuts the data. He's just the, <laughs> the palest palest. man you've ever seen in your he's, entire life. He's yellow. <laughs> he's oh. He's... It's not it's, a human color. Well, it's really weird to me that the holodeck characters don't just see everybody that's in the holodeck as like a normal human. Because what if you had like Worf in there or something, you know, would they all just be like, ah, the fucking he's beast a monster. Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think they didn't think uh, that through too well. Uh, you know. Don't worry about it. But it has some good jokes about why does Data look like that? He's very strange looking. Uh, <laughs> so uh, he also, uh, Picard also reads in the newspaper that Miss Bradley has been killed, sadly. Yes, well, she sees that. And at, at this point, too, a man walks up behind him. Oh, look what the cat dragged in. Uh, and Data's like, cat dragged in? Uh, and it's a detective, and he's asking Picard, like, oh, where were you last night between 10 and 12? And he, oh, that's going to be hard to explain, officer. <laughs> but then he gets arrested. <laughs> yeah, he gets you arrested know, right away. I would have thought that he just... I thought that when he was leaving the program, he just put it on pause. But apparently it was been, been running this whole time. I know. I, I assume the same thing as well, but it's like Animal Crossing. It's always running in the background. Yeah, it's just a real-time thing. 
Um, <laughs> but she had his business card, so uh, that was why I mentioned it earlier. That's why they're arresting him. Yes, yes. Bradley had the business card on her. Um, um, so so uh, elsewhere, meanwhile, mm-hmm. the Harada uh, ship is scanning the Enterprise. Yes. And Which... the holodeck... Apparently, apparently this causes the holodeck to short out there's a there's a purple there's a purple light that's flying around and it goes into the computer screen next to the holodeck and it starts blinking and the holodeck door starts freaking out uh-oh i'm sure that's fine i'm sure that's nothing to worry about but the harada message the bridge and they're demanding to speak to the captain and only riker's there and they're like you're not the captain that's how they sound by the way exactly like they sound yeah, um, I, would also, I would yell at Riker too honestly we will not yeah. show they say we will not show our faces to a subordinate and Riker's just kind of pissed off at this <laughs> yeah <laughs> and Riker sends Jordy off to the holodeck to go get the captain because you know we don't want to be destroyed by the bug people um but he gets to the holodeck oh actually no we have Dr. Crusher in there first Dr. Crusher in her outfit is so oh it is a good outfit I it's really a great like outfit it. she Perfect. she kills it in that yeah and she goes, but she goes over to the holodeck and she's like getting ready to go in and the doors are like very clearly broken and something's wrong. And she's, she's like for, for someone that's on a ship where everything's supposed to work perfectly and everything's like, you know, always in tip top condition, seeing like the holodeck doors, like try to like take one of her limbs off. She seems like nonplussed about it at all and just goes through. <laughs> yeah, she seems concerned about it. I'm, I'm going to credit this to the fact that she was really excited to spend a holodeck date with uh, with a card and she wasn't oh, going to sure. let a, a malfunctioning door stop that. <laughs> yeah. She might at least call someone and say, hey, someone needs to fix this door. She's yeah, not going to let this date get ruined for anything. Not even data. Yeah. <laughs> data tries really hard, though. He does try really he does. hard. <laughs> oh, but her outfit is really good, though. She's wearing a pink suit and she's got like this big black hat and her hair is so long. It's, it's really like is she, did she have extensions in it or something? It's so long. I don't, uh, was it that long? I don't remember it being that. Oh, that it was long. so. It's like halfway down her back, which it's not normally that long. Really, I, I didn't notice that. Wow. Yeah, it's huge, uh, and she's wearing this nice pearl necklace. Which actually, the show cover art has for the top part of this outfit for us. Did you look mm-hmm. at that? Um, that, I, that so, I drew. I drew that. Thank you. <laughs> so she uh, she's in the police station, and she asks Data, "Hey, Data, where is Ricard?" <laughs> And uh, McFreeze, I defer to you about Data's ah. answer. Well, um, I have to go back because first, Data says, Hey, Doc, what's cooking? <laughs> <laughs> and so she says, Where's the captain? And Data goes, He's on ice. He's being grilled. <laughs> <laughs> what is he, a fish? And uh, so Waylon and he's like, Oh, he's being interrogated in there. For murder. And then Crusher's like, I want to be interrogated too. (laughs) Why aren't we all being interrogated? Yeah, I'm going to go help him. And Waylon's like, no, no, sit down. It's fine. The people on the Enterprise have weird interests, I'm going to say. They really, they really, they want to be beat up by cops, I guess, really badly. (laughs) They've heard about this and they want to experience it for themselves. Waylon says, he's having the time of his life in there. You don't want to go in. I'm like, whoa, okay. (laughs) <laughs> well, then, okay, and then she sits down, and we get the most subtle little joke scene, which I'm going to explain here right now. She sits oh. down next to this other woman, 
Uh, and she's looking at the other woman like, oh, she looks like a 40s woman. I need to also look like a 1940s woman. So she's trying to imitate her posture. And then a police officer comes up to the other woman and says, come on, toots, let's go. And she realizes that the other woman is probably a prostitute and immediately gets self-conscious about how much uh, cleavage she's showing. <laughs> like it's, it's a really good little comical scene that takes about 10 seconds. And well, she, she was even subtle. like she, she was even like she was like kind of pulling her dress back a little bit. And she's kind of pulling out like, you know, at, at her leg and kind of at her breast. <laughs> She was like, yeah. I, guess that's, I guess that's just what you do here. I don't know. It's the 1940s. I'm going to flaunt my girls. And then she's like, oh, that was a prostitute. Oh, I'm going to um, close my girls yeah. back up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to Picard, who is indeed having the time of his life. He is being screamed at by this, who I, who I have to assume is someone that also does like a police, like a 40s police cop on some movie or other show or something. Because he's doing this really authentic, like, Come on, Dixie, you gotta give me something. What do you know? You're working for <laughs> Red Block or something. And and Picard is just beaming at his smile. He's like, Oh, this is great. I'm having a good time. Keep yelling at me. <laughs> he is so bad at role playing. <laughs> he's not even, he even trying. He's a tu- he's he's a tourist, like hundred percent. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, this is fa- I've read all about this. This is fantastic. I just I'm having a great time. He <laughs> <laughs> says like, oh man. You know, I've read this book, and you're you're just like the book. I'm applauding you. Good yeah, job. Yeah, your lines are perfect, man. Top, top notch. Uh, so Jordy is finally at the holodeck too, and he, he can't get into the holodeck, and he can't get in, the controls aren't working, and the captain's not there, and he's like, uh, Riker, we have a problem. There's a there's a little problem with the holodeck, maybe. Um, and Riker leaves Tasha in charge of the bridge, which is I will note the only time Tasha is ever left in charge of the bridge in the show. Um, and he goes down to the holodeck himself. And Wesley wants to come too because he studied all of the technical manuals on the holodeck course. <laughs> Here comes Wesley. He's read all of the wikis. And I like Riker's like, no, you can't save the day this time, Wesley. And then Troy's like, but his mom's in there too. And he's like, okay, come save the day, Wesley. It makes zero sense at this point. All he does is be a genius and solve everything. And Riker is still the one to be like, I don't know. Like, if, if anything, that's more of a reason to not bring him because he'll be emotionally distracted. When he's working on the holodeck. Also, he's not just like some kid at this point. He is like an ensign. Like, so what? what is the hang up? You know what I mean? Like, this is the only thing he does. All he does is save the day. And otherwise, is just in a closet somewhere. Well, he still has to, his duties on the bridge, I guess. I mean, you don't need to take him everywhere. I thought he had duties in the communicator room or something. No, he was on the bridge. He was doing the, he was on the comm panel. I just, yeah, I just assume he, he hears there's something happening and he runs onto the ridge. I guess you're right. No, I think he was sitting over at the helm because he normally sits over at the helm. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I feel like Riker's maybe also just like, uh, you don't need to save the day all the time, Wesley. We have other people that can fix things. <laughs> Wesley's Apparently like, no, they don't because it it's only Jordy and Wesley. <laughs> well, it's only Jordy and Wesley and, and Jordy is like a lieutenant commander or lieutenant or something and Wesley is still like, get out of the way. I'm going to look at this. <laughs> I know. I know. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Oh, Wesley. Wesley, Wesley. He's so perfect. He's so amazing. He's the best character ever. That's right. Um, so, now meanwhile, Picard is still being interrogated, uh, and he is no longer as amused by it. He's like, all right, this is getting fucking old. <laughs> He's been in here for, I assume, like six hours now. <laughs> Just getting grilled about this. He, try, he tries um, to get up, and he immediately gets like shoved down by the by the mean cop. Um, And he asks the, the nicer cop, he says, all right, buddy, listen, I've had enough of this. Can you get me out of here? Nice cops like, uh, all right, Dix, I'll see what I can do. 
And we get another scene with Dr. Crusher outside too, where she's uh, she's still watching the hooker and trying to figure out how a woman's supposed to act. And she's like putting on makeup and like using her compact, but she knows how to put on makeup. She's always wearing makeup, but she's still like, okay, I'm compact. And the police officer behind her is really interested in her. Yes. Like, oh, <laughs> you're like, hey, Tits, you're, you're a pretty hep looking broad. He's <laughs> like, is that good? <laughs> And he, he offers her a piece of gum and she takes it and like just swallows it. <laughs> okay, oh, I guess she's never had gum, I guess. But no, but gum people probably don't, in the future. don't chew gum in the future. Gum oh. is outmoded. I'm sorry. She now has holodeck gum stuck in her stomach for the rest of her life. Damn. Oh. She, and he's trying to offer her dance tickets and she's just like ignoring him and swallowing the gum. And he's like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> it's a cute little scene. I, li- I like it little stuff like that. Uh-huh. And uh, that's also when Wesley and Riker are arriving at the holodeck and Wesley's pushing Jordy out of the way to scan the guts of the holodeck. I don't understand how their computers work. He's like looking at it through like a, a periscope like a binocular <laughs> like he's, <or> something. <laughs> he's looking in the circuits, I guess. <laughs> he's just looking in his little eye, eyeglasses. I like his it, when glasses. Riker shows up. He's like, did you try the intercom? And Jory's like, yes, I tried it. And Riker's like, well, shut up. I'm going to use the intercom. <laughs> hey, guard. <laughs> what? It's not working. <laughs> Who hasn't done it's... that, though, where you someone tells you, oh, this isn't working, and you immediately try it, see for yourself. Like, no, nah, it's okay. You're right. It's not working. I had to see. So Maybe eventually, I had magic touch. <laughs> so uh, we cut back to Picard, and nice cop's like, all right, we can get you out of here, dicks. Don't worry about it. Hey, you you want to come over and visit the family? Yeah, you always love my wife's cooking. And Picard's like, no, I must go uh, see someone. I I have someone to attend to. And the guy's like, ah, blonde or brunette? <laughs> I think he's, he's she's a lady, all right. Uh, and her name is Enterprise. And he's like, ah, oh, sounds like a working girl to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just. Good. Uh, it's a good set of lines all around, but uh, the, yeah. the te- detective uh, McNair. I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure Picard is? just thinks that, like, oh, the Enterprise is a working girl. Yes, I'm, I'm sure he knows what a working girl is. Hey, he's, come on, <laughs> I'm he's not sure guy. the way he reacts to everything. He's just completely oblivious. Some somehow. <laughs> well, he's That's... read these. He's read all of these books. He must know about the he, words. Think, dude doesn't know about baseball. Well, baseball wasn't in the plot. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much detective novels actually talk about baseball. Baseball um, is a, an extinct sport, by the way, in the 24th century. That's true. Um, <laughs> and so uh, Crusher and Picard have a flirty little chat. They're kind of face-to-face. Look at the album art to see an example. Yeah, and, you can see um, it. And they're, they're kind of flirting back and forth. And uh, Picard eventually asks Crusher, do you want to come back and see my office? Then Data chimes in. Yeah, I'd love to see a gan- to take a gander of your office. Yeah, Waylon too. They're both like, "Ah, oh, we want to go too," and they they both look at them like, oh. "All right, whatever." <laughs> it's like, "Oh, <"All> right. <laughs> they really just want to make out." Like, let them have some time to make out in his I office. Oh. Um, but they get back to the office, and the little guy is still there uh, with the funny voice. And Waylon identifies, "Oh, you're Felix Leach from the books," and he's like, "Huh? I've been waiting for you, Dixon Hill." That's not what he sounds like, but you know. He's got like a weird, high pitched voice. It's very He's strange. Got some kind of accent. I it's, it does not sound as good as most of the accents we've heard on the show up to this point. And uh, Leech is really trying to get uh, their attention, and everyone just kind of brushes him off until he finally pulls a gun on them. And they're still not like taking this seriously. Like they have all the, they all have their hands up whenever Leech has the gun out, but they're all smiling still and kind of laughing at it's each fun. other. They're like, "Oh, he's got a gun on us! Ha ha! This is yeah. fun." Because I assume, like, 
the the way the holodeck is supposed to work that guns just like aren't real in this universe they're kind of like you know the fake guns like in the uh, west world oh it's it's you're not supposed to actually be harmed by anything right right the they, they have what they call holodeck safeties which is it keeps like holographic things from actually like a holographic bullet shouldn't actually go into you or right. whatever when the safeties are functioning and, and, uh, and so yeah. waylon our basically our guy that's virtually a no-name he goes up to the guy with the gun and says give me the gun or else and immediately gets shot yeah <laughs> well, he gives him a nice little little 40 speech too. he gets really into character well, like hey leech you got it you got it back off you're barking up the wrong tree you're not gonna find anything here yeah I, this is like the first time because up to this point he is like almost been defiant of the idea of being in character because he just wants to look at stuff yeah and he's like hey picard this lady this she wasn't real don't don't worry about it but now (laughs) he's like fixing his tie and he's making a big tough face and putting his fists in front of him He's having fun. You know, they're about to leave and he's like, oh, I better get into this role playing thing real fast. And then he gets shot. And, and, realize, yeah. uh, and, then, and, and, and he's like, it's not real. They're like, oh, he got shot. Ha ha. And then they realize everyone just applauds. It's great. <laughs> oh, no, he's really been shot. He's like bleeding out everywhere. Yeah. It's like, like, oh, this is going bad real fast. Yeah, Picard really uh, quickly disarms Leech, punches him, and, and bro, Leech Picard leaves. like just becomes Mr. Action for the first time ever. He just punches out this gangster and takes his gun. Yeah, or, or slaps his gun away, but yeah, like that's the first I've seen of action Picard. I think so hey. far. I didn't think about that because you're right. That is the first time we've seen it because you haven't seen it yet. But Picard is a good fighter and guy. He was like a the... first officer before, as you will recall. Ah, so he has yes. had experience in the field. He knows how to beat gangsters up in the 1940s. Yeah. Well, and this is this is spoilers for later in the series too, but we do eventually get to where he's talking about his youth and how he used to get into fights at the drop of a hat and just be real, uh, real rough guy. He's a real rough neck growing up. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and so but, uh, Picard calls for the exit, and uh, this is when they finally learn that the holodeck is broken and they can't leave. Uh oh. Data tries to find an exit to no avail, and he says there's been a malfunction. I just have here written, Waylon is dying, LOL. <laughs> yeah, we have this little comedy moment where um, Dr. Crusher's like, I need some light over here. And Data goes to bring a lamp and it unplugs from the wall. And he's like, that's, that's, that's whenever I wrote that, yeah. <laughs> he's like, this guy is dying over here and we're doing jokes about electric outlets. I love it'll, that scene, though, too, because in the background, you see Picard actually pick up the outlet or pick out the cord and look for an outlet and plug it in. And Data's just like, oh, it works again. Okay. How does Data <laughs> not understand how electricity works? Of all people, you know, Data's knowledge, you know, it's very hit or miss. He knows it's, things where he doesn't. It's so hit or miss. It's the most hit or miss of <laughs> he, anyone. He read everything about the 1940s, except he forgot to look up how electricity works. Somehow. Yeah. But, but he knows everything about baseball, apparently. He, <laughs> he knows got, everything. He knows exactly the things that are necessary to make a funny scene. It's true. Uh, I think we we cut back to the ship. Jordy says we're running out of time. And then we go back to the the card and everyone. Yeah, it's just a a really brief scene to be like, oh, the Rattans are still out here. We need to hurry. It's very urgent. I I have (sighs) here written down data tells us the premise of the show. Like people are just signing on now (laughs) where he basically (laughs) he goes off and he says, we're in a holodeck simulation and we're doing this <laughs> and that and this and that. And it's just he's just the detailing what's happened in the episode so far. 
It's not a bad idea, though, because I think this was right after a commercial break, probably. And it was. It, probably it is was a good idea to tell people like the sci fi show you just tuned into. Yeah, we're supposed to be in the 40s. It's fine. It's a holodeck. It's not real. I guess when you, when, you, when you put it like that, it's like, yeah, that, that is like really weird for someone to just kind of sign into. If, that yeah, might be if you tuned into it, I thought this was a space show. Where's the space? What? Right. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> a guy comes back, uh, he leeches with him, and also another guy with a gun. Uh, and this guy is like Kingpin, basically. This, this is Cyrus Redblock. He's in a white suit, and he's a very Kingpin kind of guy. Got a big he's bo- Kingpin. I, I looked this guy up, Lawrence Tierney. Um, he's apparently a traditional. Uh, like he, he's done tons of uh, flicks in in the actual forties as like a kind of gangster character, and so oh. this is like him just reprising the, that kind of role for him. There you go. That's, that's cool. That's a good fact. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he really wants his MacGuffin. They keep calling. Him, we want we want the item. Hill. Where's the item? Give us the item. You never prefer like, what it actually is. We well, never find out what this is. It's so. He's like, I don't suppose you're foolish enough to hide it here. And I was just <laughs> thinking, this is just like a, a Japanese show where they don't refer to what <laughs> like they're talking translation. about. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, totally. It's, it's very, it's very strange. It feels like the script is like only half written here in a weird way where like they couldn't really resolve. They couldn't find a reason for the guy, for uh, the kingpin to come over and start hassling Picard. So they just gave him the vaguest of reasons. Well, I think it kind of fits, though, because it, it is in that very kind of detective noir story, story where it's like there, there is a MacGuffin and we got to find it. And it's what's driving the plot forward. And it doesn't and they're kind of lampshading it almost of, of not referring to it as anything other than just the item. Sure. sure I don't know. Sure. I, I thought that was entertaining. But uh, they see the the dying whale and, and Redlock just wants to drag him out of the room because I oh, get that stiff out of here. And, and Fresh is like, he's not dead yet. <laughs> Uh, he will be soon enough. His pallor is bad. Uh, and they try to drag him out, and um, they don't let them. Uh, and how did they stop him? I don't. Even, I didn't write that down. Uh, but we also they get didn't Redlock. They him. didn't. They just kind of give up at some point. Yeah. They're like, yeah, whatever. And Redlock turns to Leech too and says, "Who's the one that struck you?" And he, Leech walks over to Picard and just hits him back really hard. He gets fucking pistol, whip. pistol whips him. Yeah, it's it's pretty intense. <laughs> Uh, uh the police guy is like hey Dix, what what are you doing bud i better walk in here and hope nothing bad's gonna happen to me <laughs> this timing okay. is so bad i sure <laughs> hope this scotch doesn't get stolen what what uh, uh, and because he was like talking really loudly all the way up one of the goons kind of sneaks up behind him and is able to get him you know get the jump on him he didn't even sneak up behind him he was just standing behind the door and yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just next to the door and just like i have a gun and now i have your scotch yeah um this is where Data says I was created on the planet South America. <laughs> yeah, the Redlock is also like, why is this guy so weird? Why does he look like this? And uh, and they're like, oh, he's from South America. Yeah, okay. No, he's so pale. Like I, and then Picard's I've like, been oh, around the world everywhere. I never seen none of you. Picard Wait. actually tries to tell them the truth now because he's like, well, maybe they'll believe me if I just tell them we're not from this world. This place isn't real. We need to get out of here. And Dreadlock's like, what? why are you telling me this shit, dude? <laughs> this is the stupidest story you could possibly make. And Leech is like, let's just kill them all. He's the Tasha Yar of this group. He's very <laughs> enthusiastic about killing them all. Leech loves murder. Um... <laughs> uh, and then Redlock thinks maybe they should test this, this theory that they're all aliens by killing one of them, which how is that going to tell them anything i so i'll actually defend him here i think he just wants to kill them <laughs> that's fair that's fair yeah he's, i think he's just trying to get his MacGuffin still but he's, he's telling leech to kill crusher 
yeah. and then and then immediately Picard's like, okay, no, wait, I have the item, I have it. Um, I, it's not in this room, but I have it. If you let me leave, we, we can go get it and bring <laughs> it back. Really, just trying to stall for as much as he can. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he says, this- "Well, tell tell that guy to back off, and I'll tell you about it." And he's like, "But I want to kill her. Come on, <laughs> he really wants I to kill so her." I was so excited about it. Uh, and on the bridge, uh, Riker's trying to talk to the Harada to be like, oh, "You know, our captain's a little indisposed at the moment." And instead, they just respond back with this horrible hissing sound. That's absolutely awful sound. It's Shut that off. <laughs> um, and the, meanwhile, Wesley is at the holodeck explaining to three engineers how to do their jobs. Like at this point, there's three other engineers there and they're all sitting around Wesley like, oh, that's very fascinating. Wesley, it's good you know how to do this. <laughs> uh, and, and so they propose they have a solution. Maybe they, they can like Wesley briefly goes and explain it. Basically, they're going to try to reset the program, I guess. Mm-hmm. But they're afraid that, you know, by doing that, they might vanish everyone inside, including Picard, Crusher, and company. Yeah. How the hell is that supposed to work? I don't understand this that at all. Makes no sense. It doesn't. Well, okay. Okay. I, I think I may have an understanding of this. So assume that the uh, holodeck kind of goes into like a reset mode. And so what if it tries to like wipe its memory? And they're in, they're in the holodeck kind of in the memory sort of. So would they maybe just get vanished along with all the other constructs? They're not, though. I mean, it's the same reason that they didn't want to film these these scenes in black and white uh, is because they're not affected by the holodeck. They're just in there. You know, they're, they're, these costumes, they, they wore them in. They're not like projection. They're not in the memory. So it doesn't make any sense that if you, if you do anything to the holodeck, it should not hurt the people in the holodeck. Are you doubting and- Wesley? Yes, I am. I think he's an idiot. Wow. I'm going to say it. How it dare might be heresy. you? How dare no. you? It, it's a silly little play. It, they just had to add it for extra drama. Like, right. oh, if we fuck this up, they might all vanish. Well, but that doesn't make any sense. What, what, what I do like is that Wesley is like, yeah, that could, this could kill everybody. And Riker is just like, eh, do it. Yeah, we got no choice. You got to do it. <laughs> Wesley's like, all right, well, hope you don't all kill right, them all. Uh, and, and, and inside the office um suddenly everything's all which is i guess what this is what the reset looks like is everything all of a sudden switches to an outdoor snowy winter scene in a blizzard yeah wesley and, uh, fucked something up yeah and then redlock and his men are just like ah what the hell what the fuck it was really cool looking actually the way they like did that cut like it was really well done i thought yeah it, it is really cool um but it it does help convince the red block that uh maybe picard's telling the truth because then also the yeah. door shows up yes. and opens into the hallway and uh, uh w- we didn't really mention this earlier but the way that picard mentions his account like, otherworldly origins is that like it's a world of vast fortune and of you know, of much wealth and like stuff like that and so that, that that's what gets uh, red block interested and so whenever the door finally does sh- uh appear he's like all right me and Leech are going to go through and we're going to conquer this new world. And the rest of you, you can stay in here and perish. Yeah, he, yeah, very... he actually tells his other goon to kill them. He was yeah. incredibly fast at accepting that this concept of another world existing. He's like, okay, I believe it. <laughs> well, he did see a door open to a hallway somewhere. <laughs> it wasn't there. It was at a wall before. So I, I guess, you know, it, he's, 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 he's very nev- accepting of it, though. He never <laughs> takes any time to be surprised or anything. He's like, oh. Okay. You you would think that the the holodeck would be programmed to make it so that the holograms could not realize that they were holograms in any way. Uh, yeah. And they, I guess they kind of don't because they just walk out like, and Data tries to warn them, you can't leave this place. And uh, they're like, fuck you, I'm leaving anyway. And they walk <laughs> out and they get a couple oh, steps. 
It's so good though when they this... go out there. He's he's like, we got a new world to conquer. We got this. And he notices, and... oh, what's happening to me? <laughs> the feet start dematerializing. They can't do this to me. Don't they, they... they know who I am? <laughs> they start, they, they, they start make... to derez. This doesn't make any sense. How how they can actually be outside and then. Once they are, why do they start dissolving from the feet up? Because it's no, a it, it, should, it should be like as soon as they like take a step outside, like where their foot would be, should just like disappear instantly. Yeah, because there's nothing supporting it. it and also, every every other time this has come up later in the show, they do it that way. But this scene, they had to have them step yeah. out and be like, "Oh, I'm dematerial." It was and really also, good though. So they also, were right to do it. And also. Where's Wesley and everyone who was just working on the holodeck? They're not well, here. There, there, there <laughs> well, another... well, there's multiple doors, to be fair. Yeah. that's Actually, I just read that on the Memory Alpha page. You're like, well, there must be two doors because <laughs> <laughs> they, clearly Wesley was not there. So they well, must have walked out the other door. There even there are even physically like they they reference the fact that there's multiple doors in this episode. Like whenever uh, Picard tries to get the door and his office open. And then he sends data out to get one in the hallway open because there's another yeah. door over there. I so it suppose. makes sense. They do. Okay. Mention. And, and this also this supports our theory of uh, why it's sneaking up on them in the last episode. <laughs> right. There's multiple doors and he just walked in the further one. Um, <laughs> For some reason. He yeah. came from the same direction, though. But, like... I know. No, it doesn't, that, that part doesn't really make any sense. He got lost. It's a ship he doesn't recognize. It's fine. <laughs> so um, now that um, Red Block and Leech are, are gone and out of the way... Uh, Data disarms the remaining guy and squeezes the barrel of the gunshot, which why didn't he just do that earlier? <laughs> they have easily done this at well, any to be time. Fair, to be fair, there were multiple guns, and if he if he you know disarmed one guy, that there were two other people with guns that could fuck up the rest of the crew. I so. bet Data should take yeah. a bullet easy. Data well, it's, could, not, it's not Data that's the concern. It's, like, yeah. it's Crusher or Picard. If they get shot, that's real. Well, he's just got to tank it then. He does. He's, he got, he's, got, he's just got to yes, draw probably, aggro. Yeah. He probably could have, but he didn't. Uh, but he grabs the the henchman by the tie and then like turns to Captain Picard and says, "With your permission, sir. Permission granted." And Data just decks him. That's cute. <laughs> <It's good. laughs> but Data immediately carries Waylon off to the sick bay, and Crusher follows in tow. And then Picard is just sitting there with his detective friend McNary, uh, alone in the office. And McNary has I, I, also I like realized. The scene. Sorry, it's a yeah. really good scene, but McNary has also realized that he's a hologram at this point. I guess now he's just uh, pretty fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, well, I, I guess, I guess this is the the big goodbye, huh? And I went, oh, that's the name of the that's thing. The, that's the thing. That's the thing. Ah, well, that's the name of that thing. Well, I don't know if you also noticed uh, the first story that Data looked at in the uh, in the Dixon Hill books that was titled "The Big Goodbye." Yeah, I did notice that. Yeah. So that oh. was also yeah. I, didn't See, mention it, I, I, I guess is the I guess so I guess is the end of that first book in a very very roundabout way. He's, he says, "So when you leave, uh, are my wife and kids gonna still be at home?" And Picard's like, "I don't know." Why <laughs> yeah, would you say that? You're about to like erase this man's existence. Why not just give him like a yeah? They'll still be there. Don't be like. Don't, don't tell him I, the truth. I appreciated that he was audienced with him, though, because he doesn't know. Like, honestly, maybe the program continues running, like, in the in the computer's memory or something. When Because so. it did, like, when they, when they closed it last time, a whole night went by. So maybe that still happens. But I don't know. It was, a, it was a really nice scene, though, and it was a very noir scene. And uh, it's, it's filmed really well. And I really like, too, Picard walks out the door and closes it, and the entire set just goes dark in a yeah. really nice way. Oh, that, that, that was really nice. This is Lights where... Out. We ask a lot of questions like the the holodeck can just create all these 
fully actualized people who are self-aware and everything. Yes. And mm -hmm. it can create as many as it wants, apparently. And so the real question is, why is data so important if the computer can create people who are more humans than he is? I don't really get it because you think at that point they could just put one of those AIs into like a shell, right? And then have that walk around. So like they, they have the AI part down. They just need to get the robot part down more, but they're mesmerized by data's AI. It doesn't make any sense. I agree. It's Yeah, I assume they're not as actually actualized as they seem like with in the programs, you know, like they probably run into loops and stuff and you just like free yeah. guy probably. They probably just have their loops that they go through and then I don't know. Maybe. He wasn't in a loop though, because he recognized that he was a hologram. He broke he broke he broke free of the loop. Listen. You know what I mean? Data's special, okay? <laughs> okay, and, uh, Data's very special. He is special. Uh, There's no one like Data. <laughs> okay, so Picard goes to the bridge. He's still wearing his sturdy suit, of course, because uh, he immediately has to deal with the Harad, so he rushes up to the bridge, opens hailing frequencies, and immediately starts performing the greeting. And he I, does I it. I down here, uh, Strasu! Ah, oh, no, I, <laughs> I, I wrote down all of his exact words, and okay, I will quote okay. them here. He says, Ah, song niche. McFreeze, you have honored us with your greeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Hrons love it. Everybody on the bridge claps and cheers like, ah, oh, we did it. Yay. Yeah. Oh, and Riker, uh, Picard finally relaxes and sits down. And Riker's like, "Well, how did your vacation go?" And Picard's like, "You know, it was a nice place to visit, but I wouldn't want to die there." But dum. <laughs> and D D Data gets to one last impression, which I assume McFreeze has written down. Yeah. It was raining in the city by the bay. A hard rain. Hard enough <laughs> to wash the slime, and uh... he gets cut off. <laughs> it was so good, though. But then they they go to warp away, and what does Picard say? Card puts on his hat and he says, Dap on it. <laughs> Yay. Yay. He finally yeah. did one word of. <laughs> he did, he did a accent. single impression in the final seconds of the show. <laughs> Thank you, Love Picard. It. I'm glad for it. I'm glad for all the impressions. Oh, it, it was, was really good. That was a fun episode. It was a fun episode. And also, we, we, we kind of gloss over a lot of the boring red block speeches that happened in the end. Which I don't know if he mentioned. Red Block talks a lot. He talks, he talks so a lot, much. and I think he might be a bad guy. You guys, I think he what? he might be evil. Yeah, he basically was just there to say, "Wahaha, I am evil. I'm gonna get like, you. Give hey. me the object. Give me the he object. Has, give me the object. Give me the object." He has one chilling speech about a murder in particular, where he's just like, "Sometimes killing people can be very useful." Yeah. It's like, dude, it's like, you're, so, you're might be a bad guy. I think senseless <laughs> killing. Yeah, I don't know, but killing for a purpose—that's good. He said that can be <laughs> quite ingenious. I think is what he says. It can be quite yeah. ingenious. Um, but I have, I have a fun fact about this episode: is that this is the only episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation to win a Peabody Award. What? Ooh, yeah, this, won a this Peabody is the Award. one. This is the one. It won a Peabody Award. None others. I'm not going to give it to Hide and Q, the greatest episode so far. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I, I think it was probably the set piece that did it, but um, oh, I don't probably. have any it was, details it was, about it. Was it was really, but... like, yeah, all that stuff was really impressive. Yeah, but it was a Peabody Award winning episode, the big goodbye. And I think I, I've said this before, but I think this is probably the best episode in season one, at least in my opinion. This is the best season one. Oh, okay. Hey, listen, listen, buddy. Listen, you'll have fun. Okay. You'll have fun with these Star Treks. I promise me. 
I mean, no, you don't have to promise me. I'm, 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 promising you. I'm promising you, Hayes. This is a good show. You'll enjoy it. God damn no, it. No, I'm enjoying it. It's just like, if this is the, if this is the apex of season one, I don't know where, how, how much further do we have no. to go down? To be fair, I, I skip a lot of episodes after this point whenever I rewatch it. So uh, there's probably good ones in there. I don't know. If they start boring, I turn them off. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited to see the next two episodes, which apparently made you skip the rest of season one. Oh my god, these episodes! <gasps> no, the next episodes are good. I think. Let me see. What were they again? Uh, We've it got was uh... Data Lore. Oh yeah, Data Lore. Data Lore. Yeah. Very important. Data Lore then, rules. And after that, we've got Angel One. Angel One rules for different reasons. You'll enjoy that episode, Ace. You'll love it. <laughs> I'm way into a Data episode, and I'm in, way into bad episodes. So let's get it. It'll be a good uh, show next week. It'll be a good show. Uh, so tune in. We're going to be, be talking about we'll be talking about Data Laura and Angel One. Uh, it's a reminder to anybody who, out, who I don't want to spoil it for his too much, but uh, Lady Planet. There's a planet of ladies. Tune in next week. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> we got no emails again, but if you have any questions or comments, please give me an email at beamme to sickbay at gmail dot com. I'd love to hear from you. I'll read your email on the show and I'll tell you thank you. Um, so email me beamme to sickbay at gmail dot com. <laughs> thank you guys so much for being here thank you for talking about the star trek uh and we're gonna we're gonna step on it out of here we're gonna we're gonna take off toots we're gonna see ya later that's my attempt i'm, I'm trying you later smell you later i'll see you space cowboy <laughs> bye have a great bye, night bye. <laughs>